0: This week on Invasion, the podcast, men are angry that a superhero didn't super smile.
1: We make a sacrifice to the goddess of podcasts as we talk about 1973's The Wicker
0: Man. And it's time again to head off to Vacation Bible School. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon, the arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. And welcome to Invasion, the podcast where you try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul and to my left is not Steve as usual. Uh, He did not survive the UFO attack this time around. So I actually asked a friend of mine to come in and do me a favor. Uh, My friend Taylor's here one on my left. Hey guys. Yeah, so he's just going to talk all quiet like an NPR person the whole time and class up the joint. Actually, Steve is uh, getting ready for um, Retro Invasion Weekend. We'll talk more about that later. He's been mentioning it on every show, um, and he's promoting his comic. We'll talk about that at the end. There's some cool stuff there, and Steve will be embarrassed that I'm going to talk about something else that he's about to release. So Godspeed, Steve. I will see you this weekend at Retro Invasion Weekend, and I'm just going to talk shit about you this entire time while you're not here. That's my goal is just to be like, ha, ha, ha man, that guy, Steve, I'm glad he's not here right now. So, um, yeah. Uh, so Taylor, again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I don't know if, how, how much podcasting you've done.
1: I'm going to start with, this is my first, <laughs> my first session.
0: Um, are I, you, are, are you worried where your hands go? Is that, you're yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just holding them in
1: front of me right now. All 10 fingers up in the air. What do I do now? But, um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. There's people that make things, and then there's people that have to listen to them, and I'm that guy. So. <laughs> the people that have to listen to yeah. them. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, the, normally this would be the part where Steve and I talk about our weekends and go overly long. Um, you know, I was at Taylor's this weekend because he had a shindig and a birthday, so – like we have that in common, so we hung out previously. Uh, so we're like we're actually friends outside of this. It wasn't like I
1: we're real friends. Now. We're real friends. We hung out twice in one week. That's true.
0: I mean, all right. You know, like I got to start changing my MySpace top eight <laughs> now. Um, so uh, yeah, it was fun, and uh, you know, just like nothing beats uh, just getting drunk in the backyard and just randomly talking about stuff. It's a classic. Yeah. So all right. Um, before well, I guess you know we're just going we to get into the news because I, Steve and I can't we can't sidetrack everything. So let's just get to it. <laughs>
1: Everyone,
0: I did forget to mention that on Friday I, I went to uh, see the five, six, seven, eights. At the Beachland Ballroom. Oh yeah, how was that? It was wonderful. That's that's the band that if you, you've seen Kill Bill Volume One. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so at the at the the big fight at the House of the Fallen Leaves, there's the three piece Japanese uh, girl oh, band playing. You
1: know what? I did see that you had posted that.
0: Yeah, so they they were awesome. And now it's been like 20 years since like Kill Bill, or it feels like it's been almost 20 years.
1: So does everyone dress up in the yellow tracksuit? Not the yellow tracksuit. Just suit. you.
0: I was yeah, it was just me. I was dressed <laughs> up. I was doing my best, uh, Beatrix Kiddo. Uh, cosplay. No, uh, these, these ladies are, um, you know, they're like, you know, 15, 20 years older now. So they first come out, it's like, they're all dressed the same, but they look like, like polite Japanese women going to go out for like a nice, like Sunday dinner. Right. And then they just shred. It was amazing. That's so, awesome. Yeah, uh and, uh and and friend of the show Jeff Ritchie, who does all the amazing uh, paintings and things, and he's the one that I got you the print from the Lad Insane show, the the really cool David Bowie. Oh painting. yeah, that was him. Of it, him drifting, drifting yeah, the, off the space guy. Space, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he was there. Like we went. It was a good time. So that that was part of my week. I just want to mention because if you guys aren't familiar with the five six seven eights, go seek them out. It was badass. Um, no ninjas or Yakuza died during the show that I'm aware of. So. I mean, it would have been cool if the fight would have broke out, but it did not happen. So, all right, first bit of news. And Taylor does not know about any of these stories, so I'm just going hit to him, hit him cold with all these. He does not know. Uh, so there was a deleted scene or an extended portion of the scene released recently from Captain Marvel. I don't think you've seen the film Captain Marvel. No, unfortunately. That, that's, that's, it's, that's not important okay. to the story. Uh, it is set in, like, the 90s, and and um, Brie Larson's character is like a fish out of water because she's coming to Earth and, and all this stuff. Right. But in the meantime... In one of these extended scenes, there's a bit where this guy on a motorcycle pulls up and was like talking about like, you know, this being this like, you know, sexist pig. And at one point he looks at her and he was like, can you even, can you just smile for me? And so she uh, takes his hand, almost breaks it and then basically takes his motorcycle and drives off. Nice. Um, So uh, men out there are upset about this because... You know, it's like someone. There's all these Twitter responses. uh, Someone wrote here, and I. I don't like giving. I don't want. There's no name attributed to this, so good. I don't want to give them any credit. They said, "Man, it is so empowering to watch a woman with superpowers physically hurt and then threaten to break a man's hand, and steal his motorcycle jacket because he said something rude to her." So empowering. Empowerment. Yeah. Got it. So got
1: got what you're doing.
0: Got it. <laughs> I just think it's one of those things where I. This isn't the first time. This isn't going to be the last time. But it's like this is just something like the film's already out there. These are the same people that tried going on the Rotten Tomatoes like an advance and like like score bombing it, causing them have to to change how they let people enter their reviews of films. I just you know like if if this if this offends you emotionally or politically, I can't I can't tell you that you're not allowed to have those feelings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, then don't support it. Don't, don't spend your dollar on it. And you know, if someone if someone says to you, Hey, do you like this? I think you're allowed to say that you don't like it for X, Y, Z reasons. Fine. Right. Um, it, you know, but to purposely come out and be like, Oh, I'm going to sarcastically make references to this and hold, hold this up to a different, like a double standard of something. I don't understand how that's supposed to be like, you're not proving. I mean, I guess in a way Captain Marvel's proving their point of the scene of how they treated the person which
1: i love that they interjected you know at least a small scene like that to kind of acknowledge what they're flipping on its own head you know a situation like that because that is just the worst line Yeah, you know i just you overhear that line i can't imagine it being said to me unfortunately no one ever says that to me um (laughs) maybe i'd like it but um (laughs) no hey
0: you should smile more i'm like thanks i'll take that under consideration
1: right but in this example it's just another person that's I don't know. That's just frustrating.
0: I just, it, it's going to be happening. And then like, I remember the other big thing too, is when Captain Marvel came out, it came out around the same, like, I think it came out the week after Alita battle angel came out and there, and there are these same people are like, look at this film. It's like, they're trying to hold up Alita so high just to shit on Captain Marvel. And someone's like, why not both? Like you could just, you can like more than one thing. You absolutely can. You don't have to try to, you know, I just, it, I have a hard time talking about this because I don't understand the mindset in the sense that I could read it and be like that's wrong T- to me I don't agree with it but I just I can't understand that's your that's your worldview and nothing can challenge it like that's I don't understand that at all
1: when he's not even making a very good point his his comment is so sarcastic which you know I love sarcasm but yeah. it's just such an empty review as well like if you want to attack that part of the movie for whatever reason then construct a better criticism than just be like oh wow you know that's so empowering
0: well and then like people brought up the the fact they're like you know uh tony stark killed a lot of people in the first iron man film and he was a guy with a suit of armor so technically he was in a better position to not (laughs) use violence yes and it's like but that's the same thing of like look it's empowerment it's like no stark did that uh captain america killed a bunch of nazis and hydra guys in, in the first avenger and it's like he's a super soldier this person isn't talking about that. Like, no, I just, it's not it,
1: an argument about what you should be wielding with your yeah, unlimited power. Like, if
0: they're saying the argument is that nobody with that much power should, like, hurt somebody else, fine. But that's not what they're saying. No, it's not. But, and, yeah. Um, yeah, they're so, using
1: that point to defend their argument, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's but not good.
0: Again, just leave it up to Mar- Like, so Disney and Marvel to be like, hey, here's just this like little extended scene. The, you know, the Blu-ray comes out in, like, two weeks. And everyone's like, not, And not everybody... I, I believe that this garbage is the minority. However, they're the ones that yell the loudest. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, always. so that's, I just thought that was worthy of mentioning to you just because it's just like, yep, this was meant to show like Carol Danvers is in a position of like, no, I'm not going to take your shit. And I'm going to like almost break your hand. And now I'm taking your bike. You know, that's what you get. Like yeah. you, you were, you were making unwanted advances. You thought you were stronger in all ways. You were wrong. And now I'm taking your things. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You are using
1: your position of power, quote unquote. Now I'm using mine. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah. I just thought that was just worth. Well, it's unfortunate that it shouldn't even be worth mentioning. But yeah, that's what happened. So.
1: It's eye rolling words.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that man, he should like someone in one of the the AV club, the Onion AV club. I love their comments section because people still actually have. Like interesting discussions, mm-hmm. and then someone just like someone went around and kind of ranted the same thing about like why would the AV club you know use this juicy red meat and go towards like you know appealing to to liberals and then went this whole rant and then someone just wrote underneath you should smile more <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like yes that's that was great so <laughs> all right um, Captain Marvel badass and you know don't don't uh, tell her to smile more because she's gonna punch you rightfully so and take your bike uh, yeah all right next story. Uh, so, uh, Netflix, they do this thing now where anytime you, for three seconds, if you're looking at something, they just start showing the trailer and right. it's very annoying. I wish right. there was like a function to turn that off because there's times I want to read synopsis of things and not immediately get blasted with sound and everything else. Um, so they recently brought, uh, the Edgar Wright film at the world's end or the world's end oh, nice. on a Netflix, which, nice. you know, I, I like that movie. Yeah. A I'm a deal. huge fan. Um, Edgar Wright had a problem with it because the trailer they put up reveals like the big twist in the film. And his point is, is like, you know, if people have never seen it, then it's going to kind of ruin like part of the impact. And then someone wrote back to him. It's like, well, yeah, but if you've seen the movie like 10 times, it shouldn't matter. He's like, yeah, but every, every time might be someone's first time. That should
1: not be the point. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I agree with him. Like if you're going to spoil your movie before you even watch it, then.
1: That's funny. I never even considered that they wouldn't be the ones in charge of what previews being yeah. pulled. So Netflix goes in there and just picks a minute and 30 seconds of part of the movie? I
0: mean, well, it could actually pick whatever trailer it wants. And I'm going to guess that, you know, that there's probably trailers put out later that, like for the Blu-ray or DVD right. release, that yeah. probably give more away. Um, I can tell you, like, there's also that, that Netflix original, and I put that in quotes because they just pick up movies. They don't always produce stuff. Uh, what was it called? It just came out two days ago as a horror film. The perfection is what it's called. Uh-huh. And I guess people are complaining about that because the autoplay trailer on that gives away a lot in that film too. And I'm like, I, I started to hover over. I was like, this looks interesting. And then I started watching. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. I want to try to yeah. get past it. Yeah. Uh, Velvet chainsaw or yeah. Velvet buzzsaw. They did the same thing with yeah. that too. And it's like, you already kind of got me here with this interesting idea. Don't give away the biggest parts of the film.
1: Oh, yeah. Don't take uh, me through the whole plot. That was always my pet peeve. And when I'm scrolling through like IMBD and watching new trailers coming out, I have to stop myself because I'm like, I want to see this movie, but yeah. you're, you're already ruining it for me. Um, not to mention the fact that if you like go to take a glass of water, you have to watch whatever preview Netflix has chosen. Your <laughs> scroller has landed on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just... It's... I... The funny thing is, if you actually look at Netflix on a browser, it doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. But if you go to any device like on like our yeah, PlayStation or whatever, it just automatically starts auto playing, and it's weird. And it's just I don't like it. But I, I, his point is true. Like you know, this is this is something I intended. This is the story I wanted to have, and it has beats for a reason. Don't just give up the ghost immediately. So I could see why he, uh, you know so he wrote here, Netflix also shows the key twist of the world's end as automatic trailer on the page. So tough shit. If you wanted to go and blind, <laughs> like, so yeah. Um, if know.
1: they, uh, if they have, ne- uh, the Titanic on Netflix. It's going to just be showing them on it's the door, show, floating on the door,
0: just like freezing and sinking. Right. You know, like, as if uh, what, yeah.
1: the Titanic wasn't a spoiler enough. <laughs> now you get to lose the other part of the movie.
0: <laughs> Apollo thirteen. Is this them landing? Okay, at the end, you are like, no, that's not. That's not what I. No, their preview algorithm is really bad. Yeah. Like <laughs> so I agree with that. Uh, so that that's I just wanted to bring that up because I just the fact that you know the creator is the one you know that is bringing up that he's not happy with that. So you think that Netflix would be like, yeah, maybe, maybe we should just do enough to tease people. And that's it. Cause especially on their own productions, like you see like the newest trailer for stranger things three, mm-hmm. you, they don't tell you anything on purpose. Cause people want that mystery. Not a thing. Yeah. We so have
1: no, all, it might be at a carnival. That's all. I yeah. Know. I
0: th- it's during the summer and it's, there's a mall, there's you a know?
1: festival and there's a mall, there's Coke, there's new Coke.
0: Yeah. So I just, I I always have a problem with trailers in general because uh, I do too. I feel like there's some that are masterfully done that still give you like a flavor of what the film is trying to tell you and make you want to sit down and mm-hmm. watch it. And then you got ones where it's like, well, all right, I've seen a lot of, you know You know this who's, is it?
1: who's impressed me lately and I know both the movies have come out in over the last couple of years, but uh um jordan peele us and get out uh, yeah and get out They'd, because you don't know anything going i knew nothing going into us yeah
0: because the us trailer it doesn't it, it, it you see images from the second half of that film but there is nothing there to tell you you
1: see unsettling images yeah and then nothing else you i have mean no you, idea
0: you get that there's going to be a home invasion but that's not the movie right. you but know? it sells like, it so well because
1: yeah. it just gives you that instant oh i'm ready to see this and find out you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, but it's funny because like even with Netflix, like uh, I um, I watch Twilight Zone on there because of you know other things that I do, <laughs> and if you leave it on there to autoplay, it plays a generic weird like music. Right. And then it shows like just various scenes. But if you look, it's like scenes from like the first eight episodes of the series. So whoever put this together was like, okay, we're done. Like, like they didn't go far enough in to be like, it's just weird black and white. Like people looking at stuff. And then there's music. That's not the twilight zone, which oh, I get it.
1: Yeah, I've seen those you know, too. The...
0: I, I get it. It's not that you can't have the license for all that. I get right. it. But it was just like, all right, this doesn't, that's the exact opposite of this. Like this doesn't tell me anything. anything. Yeah. yeah.
1: When Netflix first rolled out those auto trailers, there would be, for anything that they bought and put on their platform, It they had about six soundtracks that would go with anything. Yeah. And you would get the creepy music, you get the classical, <laughs> you get the fun, you know, comedy music. So, yeah, I guess I know which one they chose for The Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, I
0: guess so. Um, So, yeah, anyway, I just, uh, whenever the creator of the movie is saying, hey, don't play that trailer, don't play that trailer. That just seems like the smart thing to do. It does. All right, last story. Um, this has nothing to do with... Uh, with movies or TV shows, it's just been a slow week for, like, news. Um, so, here, I'm just going to show you this image. Uh, so, there was a a guardian angel pigeon. Oh. <laughs> yes. Helps a driver avoid a speeding ticket. So, there was a, um, a speeding camera in, in, in Germany that was taking a photo of this car that was driving above the speed limit. And the black and white photo flashed just as this pigeon's flying in front of the person's face, like, in front of the car. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, they can't correctly identify who's driving the vehicle. So that <laughs> um, the, the saved the driver a hundred seventeen dollar fine because they can't prove it was him. And they uh, and the police say thanks to the feathered guardian angel <laughs> that that's what happened. Uh, so I thought that was great. That that's like the perfect picture. Like this person's just trucking along and there's a bird right in front. Um,
1: I like to imagine the bird with a German accent as well, just being like, "So you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All good to go yeah. after that. But yeah, it's funny because looking at the picture, his wing is just perfectly covering that person's face. face. But and it looks like the, the plate is blocked as well. Yeah, it does. By I mean, they might, they maybe
0: they, well, they, they probably doctored, they probably edited that out to show people the photo uh, because yeah. the thing is that they can't prove who was driving the car, right. but they can show who the car was registered to, I'm right. sure. But like how the police, um, they said that uh, the Holy Ghost must have had a plan to help the driver, <laughs> like, so they they attributed it to divine intervention. It's really like
1: a picturesque bird. It's perfect. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect.
0: <laughs> After a pigeon
1: uh, photo nice.
0: Yeah. So the one time everyone's happy to see a pigeon. Uh, maybe not. The, maybe not the cops, but. I thought that was just worthy of mentioning just because you always get every so often, like you always end up seeing like those weird animal videos where the people are trying to do yoga in the living room and then like the cats yeah, in the camera yeah. and they just shove their face in the camera or, you know, uh, there was one of like a weather cam for a new station where like a fly landed right on it. So the fly looked huge on the <laughs> skyline. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was just funny just because this person probably didn't even know that happened. Right, yeah. You know? Um, you you watch of Development, right? Oh, absolutely. There was what was it, in the later season, like season three. There's a bit where uh, who was a, um, a, a Job was driving the vehicle, this vehicle, and then his brother held up something was well, something happened it was Michael's face on the back of like a book or something, right? Yeah, and he held it up, lined perfectly. up perfectly. and then they took yeah. the traffic cam photo. It looked like he was driving the vehicle. I remember,
1: <laughs> and it was in the staircase. Yeah, the staircase vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so that reminds me of that. So instead of it being you know, um, you know, a Michael Bluth, it was a pigeon. So. We have a
1: fast driving bird man out on the roads. (laughs) Careful, everybody. Watch
0: out, you know. Uh, And that's going to do it for news. That's a record time. I'm just going to also blame Steve for uh, not being here and making sure that our news doesn't go additional 20 minutes. I like poor Steve. He's going to listen to this tomorrow and just be like, what? Why is he just being so mean to me? I'm not being mean. Just, I miss you you know, and Taylor is a pale, just a shallow, very minor. He just, I just tried to bring him in. It just, you know, it doesn't feel the same. Just so. a shell. <laughs> just,
1: a sh- just a shell of
2: Steve. <laughs> he,
0: he's my, he's my rebound uh, podcast partner until Steve takes me back. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's to do it for news. Let's just get into our um, going to be, it's going to be a weird discussion about the wicker man. And now for our feature presentation. So when I asked Taylor to be on the show, aside from me slipping him like twenty and be like, "Here, you're, you know, could you do me a favor and be on the show?" We were talking about various like topics of discussion, what to get into, and he was bringing up all these like really great ideas, and I'm like, "No, no, no, those are all too highfalutin." I'm not. We can talk about gonna, whatever you want. Yeah, I was like, "We're not except- going to talk about the Renaissance. That's stupid and for dorks." No, uh, <laughs> you had mentioned to me. Uh, because we had both seen Hereditary and The Witch, yeah. that those might be interesting things to talk about. Right. Uh, so then I suggested to you uh, The Wicker Man from, um, was it, 70? 70, 73. 73. But, and so before we get into that, though, tell me what is your, um, like, obviously you like scary movies, you like horror films, but is this something that's kind of evolved over time, or is it something that you've always kind of had? I know everybody kind of comes to this stuff a little differently.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it really, it started with, it started with Blockbuster as most things do. So we had that deal where you could get two movies interchangeably you paid one fee a month. Now this is before any kind of other Was it the
0: mail-in ones where you got the mailed movies or was You it in could store? get that in addition we paid okay. extra
1: for that. But um no our family had it was you could go in you could go in multiple times a day and you could just take out two movies, mm-hmm. go watch them, come back, return and you paid a monthly fee. So there was probably a summer or two where I was just watching everything that was on top 100 lists. Um, and the one that sticks out in my head that kind of started this all up was Rosemary's Baby. So here you have a little bit a taste of the occult and pagan rituals and a little bit yeah, yeah and yeah. then and then after that I think I watched Eyes Wide Shut which again you have kind of like the the mask pagan rituals secret societies yeah. and I think that that mysticism is what really got me into following more movies under that tone. So when you had suggested the Witch, and then also uh, Hereditary, they had that element of that 70s, mm-hmm. especially with Rosemary's Baby, where it's like, especially su- during such a conservative time, which The Witch is such a great example of. Because it you is know, it's super conservative for what it con- is. Yeah. As conservative yeah. as it can get, because it was in... 14 something yeah something, maybe maybe the 15th or 16th century the
0: old red colony
1: and i think what a lot of times these movies are doing is that they're they're making a narrative about the time that they're in um and which we'll go into in the wicker man but i really liked rosemary's baby because i think it was late 60s maybe early 70s and it was to throw in the conversation about having a basically a baby out of wedlock and all these things You know, would have been taboo at the time and now watching it, you know, it's probably it means nothing, but it it adds an element. And then they're like, okay, well, this is all a conversation about, you know, oh, people having sex without marriage or all the norms that we have in conventional society. there, There was these
0: societal taboos on top of a film that dealt with like actual taboo like in the sense of like with that one in particular yes. where you, yeah, you had like all this other stuff kind of going on, on top of it. I, yeah. Uh, and that one, I think it came out in the mid mid sixties. I think that was kind of a big deal. Cause that was also part of the whole, like, you know, women's liberation and right. all this. And you have this, this person who's like trying to live their life and then they're being manipulated. There's a lot going on. You're right. So, so is that more, is that more your jam in terms of like horror films where it is more contemplative and just like kind of layering on like the terror based in reality? Um,
1: I, I think that what I really niche onto is a lot of times a character that can't get out, but it's under a politeness, Mm. you know, there in, in this movie and we can go into it further, but he's on an Island. He could probably leave or get out of the situation, but the mystery of the plot is still pulling him in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many circumstances in hereditary, I guess there are different circumstances in that. But what, what I really like is that it's these kind of subtle terrors. It's not that you're locked in a room with a monster and it's coming for you mm-hmm. like so many movies are. It's that it's something that's happening in your life that's never going to be forgotten.
0: Yeah. I mean, because then also you could like a lot of the Wicker Man, you could actually hand wave away. Uh, actually, what well, you could say the Wicker Man itself. There, there's nothing supernatural about it. Like it's just the nature of belief right? Absolutely. where when you get to the witch, like the first three quarters of that, you know, it's like it could be something it could be this. And then when you get to actually what's going on, even then you're still you can still argue like, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's
1: a cliche. But I always like when they turn the camera back on the people and say the people are the scariest part of this story.
0: Yeah. Like um, this is not the same type of film, but have you seen The Mist? Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's way more marred in like you know actual monsters. Yes, but there's the mirror of the people in the supermarket. Right, and I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, so I there, there is this like discussion of you get people that have their preferred genres of horror. Um, you know I'm I'm kind of like you know pick and choose in terms of what I like. I don't I, I don't just love everything wholeheartedly. But generally, if it has like an alien or a robot in it, I'm more inclined to watch <laughs> it. But I I these type of films. It's taken a while for me to warm up to not because they've not been bad. And, and and like the witch was quite great. Hereditary is one of my favorite films of last year. Um and like I did you watch Apostle that was on Netflix with Dan Stevens? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, and that's another and that's one. That's another that one, falls, one that is just yeah. it, it just knocks you on your ass and it's very much like had there not been a remake of The Wicker Man, I almost feel like Apostle is the closest thing we're going to get to like a modern update of that idea.
1: You're right. Yeah.
0: Um so this stuff, I, I guess maybe the older that I get. And like, you're talking about these things are mired in reality. Like this is a person going through something that starts to speak to me way more than the big scary monster, right. you know, or the outrageous situation. Not that I don't love those films. Uh, like I, I know recently what was it, a year or two ago, you were going through the alien films right. and those, those two still have elements of humanity in them, but it's also dealing with a monster. You right. know, uh, my all time favorite film is John Carpenter's the thing like, and that is people isolated, can't get out. And then the idea of who can you trust, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, 86 is the flyers, 85 with Jeff Goldblum. Like these are things that resonate, but they also do have emotional core to it, even though they're goopy monster movies. Right. I just didn't know in terms of like, cause your tastes are, are varied, which is good. You know, there's a lot of irons in the fire and I know I seem to come to you a lot with horror films. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if that was like something that like do, do your friend, like you know, your friend circle growing up, did they like the same stuff or is this kind of something that you found on your own and was like, I'm going to get into this.
1: No, I think I did find it on my own. And I think that there's just something about when morality is involved and more of a question of the morality. So whether it's the person that is the main character of the show or it's the group, like in this movie where it's the cult or whatever you'd like to call it, the parish of people, (laughs) you know, it's, they have a unified idea. um, And then there's the outsider. And I think any movie with an outsider is a great way to start a story. Um, because you get to kind of walk with them and figure it all out and see what you do and don't like. In this uh, in this movie, there's not a lot to like, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, about it. But, yeah, I would say that this did become my favorite genre just because it gives me a sense of eeriness, but it's tied to reality. Just think about all through history about, you know, in this movie it takes place on a Scottish island. You know, the Celts, the reason that we talk about Druids and the reason that we talk about... Uh, you know, their, their pagan traditions and the rocks and formations and the dancing and all that is because Romans were never able to invade Scotland. They invaded England, which is connected to Scotland. Yeah, but
0: they, they did like, it, like a, a ceremonial border of like, we own they this. Did. And they, yeah. they, they couldn't... For uh, hundreds of years. Yeah, there's uh, that film Centurion right. that has uh, Michael Fassbender right. that deals with the Roman Legion trying to go up and deal with the picks. And they're like, they didn't they never, quite make it. Yeah. They
1: never could cross that line. And if they did, it was... You know, horrible what would happen to the invaders, um, and so a lot of what we know about pagan traditions, and there are things that are real in Ireland. There were sacrificial, you know, rites and all that, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of what we hear about pagan rituals is actually just slander from the Roman Empire. So they were trying to spread, you know, misinformation to make them sound bad, basically.
0: Which is funny that you said that because when I was doing my research for uh, the Wicker Man. The whole idea of the Wicker Man. Was something that was alluded to by Caesar talking about, he would see the enemies like they would take, like the people are fighting. They take like the fallen or, or prisoners and stuff them into these wicker, mm-hmm. like wicker, wicker people and then set them on fire. So you don't know if it was Caesar actually seeing this happen or if he was trying to make them look way more savage.
1: Cause if you're um, in the third century and you're hearing stories about your enemies Piling bodies into a wicker giant and setting it ablaze. Yeah. What is more terrifying and more and more morale building for your side? Well,
0: even like not even three generations ago, like uh, this is getting a little political. But hey, you know, we just talked about people being upset that uh, Captain Marvel wouldn't smile. Right. Uh, there were kids being raised to believe that Jewish people had horns that would hide under their hats. Yeah, and everything. And it's like, and you'd actually have people be like, I, "Where are your horns?" Like they'd ask people these questions. And it was like, if if you live in this like closed society. Not that, not that I'm saying that they were purposely closed, but just because of time and space. And these are the things you hear, like you don't have something to tell you that that's not true. Right. So yeah, like I do think that, and this is me not knowing the full whole history of everything, you know, why would I, uh, but with like paganism and Druidism and all this stuff, I think a lot of it's distorted now and there's a lot more, um, There's a, there's people out there that say that they're, they're pagans. There's people out there that say they're druids. I think it's just more of the modern idea of being like, I like nature and I believe I could become a bear or whatever. It's (laughs) like, okay, great. I don't know how much of that is still like how, how much of it there is still to take from, I also feel like there's a lot of appropriation with uh, Christianity, where they took a lot of these things and was like, "Well, you guys can still have this holiday, but we're going to yeah. kind of name on ours, so that way you guys don't kill us, and then we're all cool." Type right. of thing, and then you know?
1: it compounds after hundreds of years, and then you can go. suddenly, yeah, yeah it's like, like the
0: Easter celebration. A lot, there's a lot of that that's based in um, what with the colored eggs and the animals yeah. and all that, you know. Yeah. Which we even there's even some of that, you know, imagery in the Wicker Man. There is, yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, I just I never got a baseline for you about how you came into like the horror that you like and, and what you enjoy. And so I think that would be yeah, worth no you're one's talking a- about.
1: No one's asked me that before, but I all I know is that that sense of unsettling is such a more satisfying feeling, whether it's you know, gonna be resulting in a feel bad ending or mm. a feel good ending. Um I like that journey better than just the the jump scares along the way.
0: Yeah, I mean I th- so um Something like Hereditary that has one or two banging jump scares that are like, that's when you put those in. And there's even a couple in this where I was expecting something to happen that either did or did not yeah and still made you an easy. It's the slowly, the tightening and the turning, right? That, that I think that's a harder thing to pull off than Mm -hmm. just being like, you know, ooga, booga, booga, Mm -hmm. smash cut to something else or super loud music to make you jump. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, I agree. So I feel like. I've been getting more and more appreciative of these uh, these type of films as I go on. With that being said, though, of course, Rosemary's Baby is a classic. And and The Exorcist, like yeah. the original Exorcist, yeah. uh, that movie still bothers me. Yes. You know? And it's it's very effective. And I've been scared of that movie as a kid, and it has never left me. So it's not like I've been immune to this stuff, but that's also a very human story of a mother trying to figure out what's going on with her daughter. Um, do I necessarily believe any of the spiritual things going on in any of these movies? For me, no, but if you could set this world up and show those rules, and have these people deal with that and still tell me a compelling character driven story like you're talking about. Yeah. I'm hundred percent in, you right. know, like, uh, so like in the world of the exorcist, the possession is real right. and this is what's going make, on.
1: Make the rules and follow them and mm-hmm. I'm, I will follow you through that whole story. Yeah. But when you start getting those ex machnias and you're saying, oh, well, ghosts can now do this. We never taught you about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we never said that they could do this, but
0: that's my biggest problem with most ghost stories. I'm just like, well, why are they confined to this one house? Why they can do whatever know, they, they, want. they want? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, so So, I mean, not to say there's not good ghost stories out there, but those are the ones I tend to always kind of shy away from. Um, But, yeah. All right. So, um, I guess maybe we'll just throw this up here real quick. If people have not seen 1973's Wicker Man, which we've not seen it until recently. Do you
2: know why they are called spoilers? We're
0: getting to this movie. And also, the the nice way to kind of pivot into this is because this summer, we just talked about um, Hereditary. Uh, the director and writer of that is um, Ari Aster. There's a new film that has coming out called Midsummer or Summar, whatever you want. Midsummer. It's S O M M A R, so Midsummer. Summer, but British. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and I, I linked the trailer to you. I don't know if you've already seen it previously or not today. Just a teaser. Yeah. Um, and it's like it it's coming soon. We're excited for this guy's second film, hereditary just knocked out of the park and it deals with something very similar to this. So whenever you're talking about these films, I'm like, let's go back to one of the, the, the the first that people talk about. And this is my great admission is that as much of the stuff as I've seen, I have never seen this film before, and me it's either. a big, great cinema set of mine.
1: Well, when you first mentioned it, I thought you were talking about Tickle cage <laughs> yeah. and his 2006 version, which I didn't even do any research on that. Um, okay. Once all. we're done
0: recording, I just want to show you one scene from that film of okay. him. I seen that one, which yeah. is people could throw rocks at me. I deserve it. I've, <laughs> so some of the beats I already kind of knew because they kept some of it the same. Did they? And and the endings are somewhat similar but I want to show you that ending with Nicolas Cage after we talk about this. You're going to be... Your mind's going to break. Uh, um, It is... The movie's so unintentionally funny that you can't... There's some stuff in there that if you remove Uh, some of the humor, you're like, okay, this is interesting. And Nicolas Cage knows the kind of film he's in, but whatever. Because you Um, know
1: what? I could see... You know, I'm not a huge fan of remakes, but I could see this as a well-made remake with the right director and the right cast. Yeah. Because it's just that perfect setting of isolation mm-hmm. that can make a really good story time and time again that you're telling but yeah just based well, off of Nicholas Cage
0: <laughs> it's funny because i just told you two of my favorite movies of all time are the thing which is a remake and right. Jeff Goldblum in the fly which is a remake you know so that that also proves your point of like you get the right people right. that have like yeah. they take the right things from something that I, brought it
1: know. into a whole new generation because those were Those were the 50s.
0: The 50s, dying movies. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. So this could be, this could have, there was the opportunity to update this, and I think this midsummer might just be more in that line. I think. also think Apostles also a a fairly close update of this as well. And more spiritual. Yeah, I mean, not a straight up sequel, right? (laughs) Or a remake. So, all right, so this is 73, directed by Robin Hardy. Just, I'm going to get a little bit of cast and crew here, just a smidge. He only has three writing credits and three directing credits, so he was mainly known as just a writer. Um, I just mentioned this because uh, the the person who was supposed to direct this film was a guy named Michael Winner. Uh, Taylor, I know you don't know who he is. The last episode that we just did of the show was our Year of Canon, where we talked about Death Wish Three. Michael Winner directed Death Wish Three oh, okay. and two and one. Okay, I am so glad that this guy did not get this film, like because he is one of those guys you can just tell is like, are we done? Right. I don't give a shit. Let's move on. Right. And also, he was also really cruel to his female cast, and that. And then, in context of what we just watched, I'm glad that he was nowhere near nude women because he, there is these horrible, like over the top rape sequences, like implied rape or whatever in those death wish films that in between Uh, takes, uh, people would put like coats and like blankets on the actresses and he'd be like, no, take them off. And you're like, so think about that kind of cruelty in those scenes. I can't. And then taken to this film, which was supposed to be set in the spring, but was shot in like October, November when it was mm-hmm. getting really cold outside. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad this guy got nowhere near right. that film. But anyway, yeah. so that's not, Robin Hardy is the uh, director of this. Um, screenplay by Andrew Anthony Schaefer based upon the book Ritual by David Piner. Didn't get too much about either one of them. But it seemed like, this is one of those weird things where, the, the creative part behind this, there didn't seem to be a lot of output after. Right. Um, so interesting that of, that happened.
1: One of the great comments is I saw that it said, doesn't really seem to have been influenced by anything. It kind of came out of nowhere and then went away. You yeah. know, there wasn't uh, so many times, especially in 70s horror movies, air quotes, um, you know, there's a trail of movies that kind of follow in its wake. And I really couldn't find anything. That yeah, was
0: so you're you're right. I, I'm not gonna point out anything because I'll be like, I don't know, because the 70s was an interesting time in the sense that there was a lot of chances being taken. There was a changing of the guard. Yeah. Um, and so ideas like this were more there's a lot of weird horror-ish films from the 70s that right. um would not exist otherwise, you know. Yes. So you're right. Like, but in terms of this kind of stuff, I'm sure there's other people that could tell me, like, I have friends that are probably yelling at me right now as they listen to us, like, here's six things of the I didn't think of that. Yeah, I guess that's um, a good point. But I mean, the idea of like this folk horror, which is what this really is, mm-hmm. um, you know, and also where this was made and how and what and what part of the world it was made in, I'm sure there was other things around this time that was also produced because, you know, the idea of like you talk about the taboo of like paganism and witchcraft, that was something that was kind of coming into music too. Like, so yeah, there's probably yeah. some of that as well, but this film, it was, the, so the book was written uh, by David Piner. It was about an officer police officer being brought in for the possible ritualistic murder of a kid. And so there, some of the ideas are there, but then it, so Anthony Schaefer took it and and changed directions with it. And, and Christopher Lee actually had some, like he was really passionate about this and wanted to do a film about old religion, as Mm -hmm. he put it. So you're right. This kind of, I'm sure there's much more scholarly people that have a lot more knowledge about this film than I do. But in terms of like what was kind of going on before it, there probably were some like steps in this direction, but it is very unique. And it, since it didn't do well at the box office, initially it took a while for something like this to kind of boil up, yeah. you know, to the top. So you're right. Um, so, uh, just to, some of the actors, I don't knock a list everybody because there's a, like a, everybody in this is like somebody from like they had so many locals that were in there they're just like yeah you just want to come in and look sneeringly at this officer yeah just come in it's fine we'll give you a, we'll give you a plant name yeah look, look, you're fern yeah. you're fern uh you look at you you know you're uh, do you
1: like masks yeah, that are yeah. in the ship it's, of foxes
0: do you want to make your own masks yeah. that's fine that's oh you, you have a salmon mask come on it'd be great <laughs> um yeah so we have uh edward woodward as uh, Wood- a he was – the big thing for him was that he was on that 80s TV show, The Equalizer. Yeah. You probably heard the name in passing. Yeah. There's the two Denzel Washington movies after that. He was the lead in that for like six years, so he was most known for that. He was actually in um, uh, Hot Fuzz. I saw, yeah. Which if you've seen Hot Fuzz, yeah. there's like Edgar Wright, which we talked about earlier – he definitely loves The Wicker Man. There's elements of that societal like, oh, well, it's a nice yes. place to live. Yes. And you, he, you knew that he was taking from this movie and applying it in a different way. At what way. cost is it yeah. a great place to live? Yeah. Yeah, and so they had him in there as I think he was one of the head officers there. And it was one of his last films, but it was a great nod to have him in Hot Fuzz. Um, and then he was also, where was it? That Yeah, that's all I got from him. Um, so, and then we have Christopher Lee as Lord Summer, Summer Isle. Uh, he's like an everything.
1: 281 credits.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. And he also made a couple heavy metal albums. I don't know if you know that or not. No, guy, are you kidding? No, no, I'm not kidding. He saw like Combat, I want to say in like World War II or something, because there was times where there's a story about someone asked like about how this would go about like killing a man or something. He'd be like, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. Like, he's like, he's wow. like he saw some shit. Wow. Um, the guy was a badass. And you now he did do metal albums, by the way. Uh, Yeah, he most... Most people will know him just in passing as uh, Saruman from Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. Uh, he was one of the more iconic Draculas, yes. um, and just just a cool looking dude. But he's
1: looking. also he's he's been in so many trilogies and large series, Star Wars. Yeah, he was uh, Lord of uh, the uh, Rings. Yeah, he
0: was uh, was a uh, Darth. Oh, we just talked about this too a couple episodes ago. He was uh, he was in um, he was Count Dooku. Right. Yeah. uh, yeah. And then Darth Tyrannus, I think it was his Sith name. But yeah, he was in episode three.
1: Right. And he was in um, James Bond. He was in some early films of James Bond. And then he was also in Sleepy Hollow with.
0: Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. I, you know, I yeah. saw that in the theater. I have, I have not seen it since. Uh, oh, really?
1: That was yeah. in like 1999. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a good I, movie. That's when
0: I was in college. And I, I watch it, was, it as, every as, Halloween. You saw it while you are in utero. Like, that's <laughs> like, you know. Uh, no, it's, it was, I remember liking it. I just, I've only seen it that one time. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, you know, whatever happened to Christopher Walken? And again, and I, you know.
1: actually, you know, you, as a, you mentioned that, uh, Sleepy Hollow is a great, you know, it's probably, Well, it's a folktale. It's a folktale. It's, uh, folk it's 18th century. Yeah. It takes place in a small town where everyone's kind of, not brainwashed, but convinced of one thing. And you know, it's kind of a theme that maybe Christopher Lee, sir, Christopher Lee <laughs> yeah. attaches himself to
0: maybe, Uh but it just, he, he always elevates anything he's in. So it was great. I mean, obviously he, he loved this movie. So it was his favorite film that he was ever a part of. Yeah. And he's great in this too. It has the greatest suit ever. Like, yeah.
1: Oh Yeah. And it seemed like, um, from the little research that I did, he really did have a big part in the production on the f- the front end of it.
0: Well, he convinced a lot of people to work without pay, right? Because he, he was kind of—I think he wanted to be in this one just because it was an idea he was interested in. Also, I think he was getting tired with maybe some of the roles that were given to him and some of the typecasting. Because there's, you know, if you're a genre actor doing horror films. Sometimes you get, you know, stuck, even though this is a horror film, it's a different type of film, right. you know? And I think he wanted something literally to, to be different and kind of get, you know, chew into and have it like, it's a different kind of horror. Cause he plays very charming this entire time. Like you, for the limited time he's on the screen, which they keep always mm-hmm. hinting at like, well, did you talk to Lord Isle yeah. about this? Yeah, and it, it was took, like,
1: it probably took 40 minutes at least,
0: at least halfway through the film before, before you even see him. him. Yeah. yeah. But he's like sh- the shadow that like looms over this entire film. So, yeah, uh, great. Just love Christopher Lee. We have Diane uh, Cilento. C- 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 yeah, I think that's how you say her name. She was Miss Rose in this. Uh, she was the school teacher, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of uh, uh, English and like British like TV and films, uh, UK-related stuff. Not much I know there. Just worthy of mentioning because she was a, like a major speaking character in the film. Right. The uh, last one I'll mention is uh, Britt Eklund as Willow. Uh, she's still with us. Of all these, she's the one still alive. Uh, she was in another Bond film, *The Man with the Golden Gun*, mm-hmm. uh, and she was married to Peter Sellers for four years. And I know there's some controversy about that because that wasn't exactly the healthiest relationships. Uh, and 1971's *Get Carter* with uh, Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, not that you care, but there's two. There's a film called *The Monster Club* that I covered on Strange Highways. That's the anthology horror film that she was in. Oh, it was. It's it's fun. It's a little weird. It's British. And then she's also another uh, anthology film from 1972 that's uh, British called Asylum, which I watched recently as well. So it's so weird it's that once tariff. you start getting into some of this right. stuff, you're like, "Why is that name from?" Oh, oh yeah, oh, um, I shouldn't know that, but I do. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Why is there? Why is her name look from, like familiar?" Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. All right, that's that's the majority of the cast. There's other people in there too, but it was just there's just a lot. So um, I don't necessarily want to go through this like point for point plot wise because I feel like. One that wouldn't do service to if people who have not seen the film, even though we're about to spoil some of it. Uh, I guess, I don't know where to start with this other than the character of Sergeant Howie. Maybe we should start with him. He's right. the one that was brought to this island in his little seaplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think it's
1: important yeah. to mention that he gets a letter. In the letter, he has the letter and a photo of Rowan.
0: Yeah, and he's been told that she's been uh, <laughs> uh, like missing, right? That's right. the whole thing. So he ends up on this island, uh, the summer isle, uh, and he flies in and he uh, with his little flying airplane, which is great, nautical uh, plane. A plane, a seaplane, yeah. which is great. And he asks like the, the townsfolk, like, bring out a digging. They're like, Why?
1: Well, <laughs> like, <and laughs> I'll tell you so I knew nothing going into this movie, and I was al- I was already so unsettled by the fact that there were 12 men at the end of a dock. <laughs> Just because, like, a plane came in, and yeah. then you know, they're it's 12 men all over 50. And I was like, That's weird. What were they doing? You know, were they having a cigar club? What was and they're all just standing there and hear, you know, how he's screaming for a dinghy, and they're all just standing there,
0: like, yeah, ominously. Nope. Yeah. So, it, so, how do you feel about like, so you talk about an outsider coming into this. Uh, he's a, he's a man of authority. He's wearing like the complete police uniform, mm-hmm. yeah. and, he, and he's going to like you know basically like this you know outer outer rim territory yeah. for, for the UK and Scotland to do an investigation. And he believes that his title and his authority is going to carry him forward. Where they're just like, well, why are you here? We got like we've not seen her. This you should go home now. Right. Like, um, and it just it was interesting to me about how like stiff and upright he ca- he carried himself, absolutely, and through all of this. And then you find. And it's it's also a weird '70s thing about how they reveal that he is a man of faith. Yeah, um, with a flashback, but it, it it gets it across because he's praying in his bed that night, and it shows him taking communion. Yes, and, and, and he's a Christian. He's, he's, he's Catholic. He's a devout, yeah, yeah. A devout Catholic. Yeah. Um. So it was important to show that because he believes in the law. The law is black and white. He's a man of faith, and his faith is unshaken. And it is it is what it is.
1: And here he is arriving on an island with no present authority on the island, but he bears the crown authority, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and he's confident by, with that in the yeah, beginning. Like
0: I I never once doubt that he's not intelligent. Like I never get the vibe that he's no. like stupid. I get the idea that he, his belief is what care his belief and his, his absolute belief of what he believes is to be right is what I feel like is the thing that you get in the movie. And obviously it's his big downfall, but I never once get the idea when the whole, the whole Island is messing with him. Every time he asks a question, he does get an answer that is either a half truth or it is the truth, but
1: you don't th- know it until the
0: end that yeah. it was a half truth
1: or a whole. Yeah. Truth.
0: And, and so he can't, keeps being led around by the nose this entire time, but he believes that, you know, because he's been called to do this and this is his job and that he's right yeah. that he keeps pushing forward.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I, that's a. Uh, it's, it's an interesting character. It's an interesting situation. Um, so I do like that. it is didn't, like, I'm not saying he's a likable character. I don't think he's very likable yeah, at right. all, but he's sympathetic in the sense that you understand where he's coming from, like in the sense that you can relate, maybe not feel sorry for him, but you can relate of like, this is his worldview. This is his life. And he's, he's just trying to do his job. Yeah. That's what but, I was yeah. just going
1: to say. He's got a job to do and it's going to be uncomfortable. But he's got to go door to door. And he, he does assert himself pretty well. There were times when he was walking to a room that he kind of just had to strut in with his little cap and his, <laughs> his suit. And that's all he had because yeah. he doesn't even have a baton or no. you know, any kind of weapon.
0: So when he goes into the candy shop slash post office slash everything, yes. that's just small island, right? Right. What did you think of the candy display when you first saw all the different desserts I, on display? I
1: made a note of that initially because there was like... I noticed the hairs, yeah, the, the, not the rabbits, not, the hairs. Yeah. Um, and then there was a couple other things. There was like babies,
0: yeah, and like some weird faces and stuff. Yeah, like, weird
1: faces. And I think that again, coming from an outside, you're like, okay, it's seventies. Is this Willy Wonka like chocolate factory for a second? What's going on here?
0: Yeah, it's just, the whole thing was off putting, but was. because it's it's a dessert shop and everything there looks like it is edible but yes. like the imagery is like so weird this movie yeah.
1: does such an amazing job of sprinkling easter eggs from the beginning you know and you you pick up on several of them but yeah. in retrospect you know that you were given you were given drops of breadcrumbs the whole time
0: yeah so then after he confronts the lady at the, the the sweet store because that was supposed to be her daughter supposedly that was missing and she's like no no she's they kept saying rowan is out in the woods and they basically said rowan's a hair or whatever it was a weird yeah, moment yeah. and then the one girl there was painting a hair and so and there was a it was a nice moment of the officer like hunkering down with her with how he like talking to the girl right and just trying to like get some information out of her, but but not be mean about it. Yeah. So that he was like painting with her, and maybe That's, not overstep. No, and I feel like that was yeah. kind of a save the cat moment where it shows like he's actually like not a bad guy. He's just trying to do his job, right. and then he ends up going to um, the bar, which is called the Green Man. Which I don't know if you're familiar with the Green Man imagery.
1: I, I did see it, you know, but in the, the name movie. of the bar, yeah, yeah. the name of the bar, and I saw on the the little post outside of yeah. the, the bar,
0: so the tavern. I, uh, this is, there's a Wikipedia article about it. It's written, you know, much more in depth than I am. But once I say what this is, you're like, oh, it makes sense. So the Green Man motif has many variations found in many cultures from many ages around the world. The Green Man is often related to natural vegetative diets or deities, not diets. You know, if you just want to eat all vegetables, <laughs>
1: it's like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah,
0: you know, it's that's the god of, uh, you know, vegetarian. That's the guy who's just he, he's the god of being a jerk about. Hey, have I told you I'm vegetarian? Like, uh, no, it is primarily interpreted as a symbol of rebirth, representing the cycle of growth each spring. Some speculate, yeah, that the mythology of the green man developed independently in the traditions of separate ancient cultures and evolved into a wide variety of examples found throughout history. And if you go and do a search for this, the green man actually shows up in a lot of like church architecture and other other places. And it's kind of bizarre where you see like a face. Like um, regurgitating, like regurg- like these leaves and right. everything. And it became this thing. It was like a symbol of, it's a good luck symbol, but it's been incorporated in a lot of different faiths. Right. And the fact that this, this bar was called the Green Man, I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another
1: nod. Yeah. Yeah
0: so he's there when he talks to everybody showing the photo and everybody's just like singing their songs wherever like no one's seen her. I want
1: to stop yeah, please. there because that's when I really, you scared me for a second watching this movie when they start singing.
0: <laughs> when, I, when I scared you where I'm like, like as in the film scared as, you or when I told you we going to, we're, we're going to watch this film. Well,
1: so yeah, I'm like, oh, we'll watch this movie and I'm, you know, watching it. And, uh, you know, this is probably at the 10 minute mark and they're singing in unison. And the subject matter of the song is, so it's a, the song takes place about the tavern keeper or the innkeeper's daughter. Yeah. Who's there. Yeah. So it's like, is this an old song or they just are, It's is this a quasi musical <laughs> and they're just singing about the hot, Tavern, yeah, they make daughter. the thing about
0: like what was it? What, what's between her uh, left toe, left uh, big toe, and her right big toe? And it's like they're really getting, yeah, like they're not getting graphic, but they're bumping up against it. The
1: lyrics were really weird, yeah. and the the scene accompaniment was kind of a dance. and The, the tavern daughter was being pushed around among the men, at the, and in like the, tavern. the one guy was
0: just like, you know, like um, thrusting from behind yes. her, and he was, and she was like, eh, everyone's laughing, what, it's a living, it's no, a um, time. so. Yeah. So, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that aside from the fact that it's offsetting, uh, upsetting, um, that the director halfway through production told everybody, Hey, by the way, we're making a musical. Like, so I think that's funny that he said that.
1: I did, I, the yeah. whole time I was like, is this supposed to be a musical? Yeah. Because there were a couple of musical numbers yeah. in there. And then
0: also they took a lot of like um like folkish type music and added new lyrics. I did see a lot of that. And so if you see and guitar riffs. And yeah, and like they added so like a lot of the songs being sung are very explicit and very dark. And this is like a tavern rousing song, and it's about like, you know, sexing up the 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 daughter of the the barkeep. Sorry, the bar, the bartender, owner, whatever, uh, independent businessman, um, Mr. Greenman. I don't know.
1: Yeah, while he's also smiling and singing. Oh along, yeah, everybody's having a good you, old time
0: of this. But then you can see how he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't approve of all of this. He's like, it's inappropriate.
1: How dare you sing?
0: Yeah, like, and so then there's a bit later though, when he's being served his dinner and he makes a comment about like the vegetables being yes. like, and I think everything that was served to him was like processed.
1: Yes. It was and, all out of a can.
0: Yeah. And yeah. like disgusting. And then he's like, well, can I have an apple? Like a, like a Summer apple. They're like we don't have any apples. And then the rest of the movie, you see apples. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, like especially. island like, That's known for apples. Yeah. Yeah. And then
0: like Lord Summer place has like bowls full of yeah. apples. So this is kind of this whole thing of like, we don't have apples for you yes. like, yes. like they even said we can give you peaches out of a can he's like yeah, i don't know like so
1: <laughs> and i assume that'll be in a can too yeah. that's the line he says um yeah.
0: so anyway so that's when you get to um the bit later in the evening where he goes to bed and then you have the bar like you have willow the barkeep's daughter uh and this is whenever i after watching the film i text you i was like stick with it i promise you it is not a seventies porno. I felt weird. <laughs> I did. And
1: the thing is, is that I felt like I would have rather have been caught watching adult films by my parents than be caught watching this movie. <laughs> when those scenes kicked in, it was weird.
0: Well, cause you have uh, Willow, uh, And also, by the way, so the actress, uh, Britt Eklund, uh, she found out that she was three months pregnant while they were filming this. So she, anytime that, like, it wasn't her face and her just not being topless, it was somebody else. Oh. So whoever it is they, they got someone who was a dancer come in and so you see this, this character Willow full on nude singing the song and keeping beat against this wall yes. that's supposed to be right beside Howie's wall Sergeant Howie. So we're
1: in like a dream state. Kind of. kind of. Um,
0: But the music that's playing you find out there's no one in the room playing music but she's singing and she's keeping rhythm against this wall but she's completely nude like and they don't hide it and it just keeps going and she's doing this whole big like you know thing and you can tell that he's having this big struggle because she yes. basically said to him like, hey, you know, you could come on over if you want. And He's right. like, no, 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 I'm engaged. Yeah. And she's like, so, like, and which we, also shows a lot about the island. We, you know, and we yeah. learned
1: a lot about him in those couple. of That's where we get the
0: flashback of him being right. in the church, and then, but you see him this being like agonized by this temptation. Yeah. And as surreal as all that is, which by the way, with the buy double, a time later on that uh um Britt Eklund was brought like stills from the film, some creeper dudes would be like, Here, sign this one, and it was just of her like naked <laughs> rear. She was like, I won't sign that because that's not my that's not me. That was not the that butt. was the, the, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's the best response of like, I'm not signing that naked picture. It's not my naked picture. Right, <laughs> right.
1: That's a move. That's a flex. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, it did have this element of like The old tales of sirens and singing and kind of, you know, here's a sailor. There's a guy from a strange land, again, being kind of coaxed into the situation. And, yeah, it was. we learned a lot by that scene, but it was, again, unsettling.
0: Yeah, and I I don't remember if it was before that or after that, where he wandering out at nighttime and saw, like, the whole big... Oh, uh, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, he ends up finding, like, this whole, like, um, night park full of, uh, like like i'd say it's an orgy but they're all paired up one by one so yeah. it was like imagine imagine like a noah's ark of sexing like i don't know <laughs> like yeah. it was like you know right,
1: everyone pair off yeah everyone's, in a nice line
0: yeah just just you know just have at it you and know lay in and, the grass and he was just like he was like disgusted by it he dude.
1: was really pissed off and
0: no one and no one cared they so kept going if
1: that happened to you you wouldn't just be like ah, and then just like walk away it would be like a insane scene that's the one time i felt like he underacted in
0: this <laughs> well, i think it was almost a state of shock of like this is what's going on and it's like so then because like later whenever he goes into the classroom and confronts the the teacher um with like you know because like, the kids are all learning like mm-hmm. about the May Day and like all the phallic symbols yeah, and stuff yeah.
1: good timing for yeah. exposition purposes yeah, yeah
0: and then he was just like let me talk to you for a second he's like right. i'm going to report you to the mainland of like basically you're like this this d- you're teaching inappropriate things to children and this is a Christian nation, all this stuff. So like you could tell he's been stockpiling all this to write like a really, really strongly worded letter when he's done.
1: Yes. He's, he is fired up by the prospect that these people have just been running amok on this island with no morals. Supposedly. Yeah, you know? this, and this is what he's thinking.
0: Yeah, so I, 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 before we move on uh, from that, we're, we're going to talk more about uh, Britt e- Brit Eklund's Naked Dancing, uh, just because I want to. No, um, <laughs> so you've not seen it yet, and we talk about remakes. Um, uh, Was it the, the Guadagnino, uh, the remake of Suspiria that came out last year, and that's it's now on Amazon Prime, by the way. Okay. So. Uh, that deals with, and this is not a spoiler because they get right to it at the beginning, it's a coven of witches that do, like, modern dance. Hmm. And, like, um, was it West Germany or East Germany? I... the stricter of the two, so I think it's East Germany, mm-hmm. uh, um, or no, it's West Germany. Uh, West Ge- anyway, it's in the set in the no, seventies. Uh, it's set in the mid seventies. Um, it has a Dakota, uh, Fan, and uh, whatever the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey. Dakota, Dakota, fang's in it too, I think. Anyway, uh. um, and but the whole thing is that when they invoke this dance, it's basically them summing their power, oh. and it gets really messed up and dark, and it's amazing. So when I was watching this with her tormenting Howie, I had because like her dancing isn't necessarily it's it's seductive but it isn't like coordinated in the sense like it's not rhythmic it's just more like her just being like you he's like a siren yeah and it really made me think of the new Suspiria where there is a coordination of that dance but it's evoking a darker power yes exactly um, and that I, like as much as it was an off-putting scene to watch which it was supposed to be okay um, like, you get <laughs> watch, yeah, I'm not, like you yeah. know like oh this is this is really well done let me just look at that butt some more you're not supposed to feel comfortable you're supposed to feel the anguish that Howie feels right and so because I already had that in the back of my head of what I'd seen with like Suspiria I'm like I'm I, I'm in with what this movie's doing. Is as, as '70s as it is with some of the the editing and some of the music choices. Yeah. yeah. You it does, you you get this idea that this could be an otherworldly power, or it could just be this is the island. This is what the people do, and this guy's having a huge crisis of faith because this hottie is like, "You should come on over." Right. Yeah. And, and I just and
1: we're still building up to this point. Is is something going on here? Is this really how the island is? Yeah. Is he just an overzealous Christian Catholic? Yeah, but it it did have that mystical element to it that was not only unsettling, but you're like, what just happened that night? Yeah, because is now he cursed or is he under some kind of spell?
0: Well, because even like the next morning, she's like, oh, you know, like I, you, the offer was there. Right. He, it was like right. so. It was almost like it was almost like she was like, hey, good morning. It was weird last night, wasn't it? Could have got weirder. Which <laughs> did
1: she leave yeah. the room. <laughs> Which so that scene was also important for that purpose, but to know that. And I think he does say it later, but it's important to know that he's a virgin. Yeah. Spiritually and sexually sexually and emotionally yeah. whatever that, that um, comes into a, a larger part of the plot later. yeah
0: Uh so then it just becomes like this detective story so he confronts the, the teacher teaching the kids in the classroom and he figures out that the one desk was occupied by Rowan and there, and I wanted to bring it up to you because there's that moment where it opens the desk oh, the, and I'm
1: the, so glad you're bringing yeah. this up yeah. there's a
0: bug like it's like a cockroach or a beetle or something on like a string that's like hammered down to a nail on this right. desk and you see the, the bug working circles Spinning, yeah. which is very similar to the maypole that you just saw outside right. of the kid's Dancing, right. and all the kids are kind of laughing about it because they think it's funny. He's like, "Why do you think this is funny?" I feel like that is the movie in a whole of this thing that wants to break free. It doesn't know why it's tethered, and all it can do is walk in circles and strangle itself.
1: Right. It just walks closer it's and closer. closer to the end. Yeah, until and it, it's, and
0: it can't undo it. It's it's compelled.
1: It is compelled yeah. by the fate of the string drawing it. Yeah, yeah. and I love that And the little girl goes. Uh, the little old beetle goes round and round, always the same way. You see it until right at the end, he's tied up right tight to the nail. Yeah. And he's, well, why would you do that? <laughs> like, and, I'm like, and in the moment, I was like, yeah, that's really gross, kid. Yeah. Like, you freaking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. I kept chocolate bars in my desk. <laughs> Not beetles strangling themselves. Yeah, I
0: mean, well, I mean, you got you to gotta dip something in the chocolate. That's what I say. No, um... <laughs> No, I mean after I mean after a, like a long recess of dancing around the maypole you yeah. just got to have some yeah. uh chocolate and crickets or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know what your childhood was like. I just, that's everything in this movie is pretty accurate to what I did. Oh, growing I do not know where yeah. you grew
1: up. Yeah. It's a small Island off the coast of Scotland in, in
0: West Virginia. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Roanoke, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's no, that was Virginia. Yeah. Close enough. Close um, enough. So, um, so then there's this whole sequence too, where he goes to the cemetery and it's funny because she, he's talking to the teacher about like, well, where's your, you know, where's your chapel? And she has this whole thing. It's a little exposition heavy, but she yeah. makes the note of like, well, once you don't believe in that, it's not really what you, like what's for Here we don't use the word
1: dead yeah that's and then, the, but, but she one talks she about says. like
0: you know it's not it's not a house of worship if like that's not what we do in it and she's talking about how the cemetery is not exactly consecrated ground now because it's like don't talking to the it.
1: worst hippie because they just <laughs> won't acknowledge what you're saying yeah. they just keep saying what you're they like, believe, well, we believe
0: in we believe in like a universal life force man yeah. like yeah do you mean she's dead
1: at? i've never like you can't pretend like you've never heard that before yeah. but maybe i mean if they've gone generations without seeing an outsider
0: who knows yeah yeah but but there's the sequence in the graveyard where first he he sees a a lady breastfeeding a a child and also holding it like an egg egg. in her palm
1: i couldn't find anything on that
0: it is supposedly some type of like um fertility ritual that would help her have another child i get the egg sure yeah but when he finds like he finds like this one like uh like not tombstone but like it's it's a, a I guess it's kind of like a tombstone or whatever, like a grave marker that has like uh, apple carts on top of it or whatever. And it's just like all these weird things. He gets pissed and breaks that down and makes like yeah. a makeshift cross yeah. and puts it on top. Like he's like writing a wrong yeah. or
1: something. And it's yeah. like, he's th- so upset by the sacrilegious in the graveyard. And while well,
0: meanwhile, that lady's just like, all right. <laughs>
1: yeah. And he's like, she's, like, she's like, darn you're, it.
0: You're the weird one. You know, yeah, um, you're the one making this weird. Right. <laughs> uh, So I like that he's trying to assert himself and be like, this is how you do this. he just puts that makeshift cross on top. And it's like, he could tell that he's trying to assert his hands. Yeah. Like I've did a good thing. This person is not going to go to heaven and be judged by God. Yes. Uh, And then, you know, so he goes through this whole thing. And eventually it gets to him uh, encountering Lord Summerisle, which is Christopher Lee. And there's this uh, like conversation of explaining about how he's kind of, you know, how the Island exists about how his grandfather figured out that some of the different like soil types and everything else could actually bear fruit, which I guess like apples aren't a thing in that part of the world. Yeah. Like I, I, that makes sense. I just never thought about it. Um, but then like they're asking all these questions about like their background and basically Christopher Lee's character is like, yeah, well this is what we did and this is how it's going on. and, What's the big deal about all this? Meanwhile, there's like a Stonehenge circle in the distance. Yes, with uh, with young women nude jumping over like a fire. And, uh, and he looks at how he's like, he's like, do you, do you appreciate this? He's like, no, he's like, he's like watching that. He's like really invigorate you. I'm like, well, <laughs> if I mean, I guess if every morning I woke up and had my cup of coffee, just watching the naked girls jump over fire, I'd be like, you know, there's probably worse things to wake up to in the morning and just watch.
1: Well, you know, and he calls it a divinity lesson, which mm-hmm. cracks me up because it's like at, at what point do you just start calling everything that you guys are doing on this island, a divinity lesson, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. But the whole thing was like guess supposed to be a fertility fertility thing. And it's just like so, as he's explaining all of this, um the, of the of the one part of a semester in college I took of like a philosophy because I had to change my courses. So I took it for like a few weeks. There was one concept that stuck in my mind, which is called moral relativism, which I'm sure you're maybe familiar with, maybe not. It's no. the idea that different cultures have the same idea in their head of what, of why they're doing something. Oh, sure. But the two practices are completely different from each other. So, uh, the idea, like we talk about like the, the Catholic, you know, man, and like how we honor our dead is that we bury them and do the last rites and all this. Right. Whenever, um, these like Catholic missionaries are going into like different parts of the world that they believe are uncivilized they would run across groups of people that felt that the best way to honor their dead was to like either eat them or burn them. Yes, yeah. And they were horrified by Consume this a part of them. But the whole thing is that in their society, that's how they honor their dead. Right. So that, so I feel like the big thing that Howie's character would never, ever, ever understand is that like he was literally sitting in a Steepled building in the flashback, eating you know, a jizit, you know, a wafer, <laughs> and some and some wine that's Taking supposed to be his the blood, yeah, that's supposed to represent this divine being that was nailed to a, like a cross that died for their sins and right. then turned all these miraculous things that this thing did. He's supposed to take this for granted and he has his ritual for it, but when anything else in this movie is presented to him that's not the same, right. he's like, that's sacrilegious, like but,
1: putting a tree on a grave, yeah, like they were doing, and and yeah.
0: so. Because it's ridiculous and even like making a girl eat a frog for a minute just to get rid of – like the whole thing is like you hear them croaking. That's where the cough went. It's like it's such a dumb thing, but I'm like I can see how people would think that.
1: All of that has to be from just hundreds of years of people saying, well, yeah, the frogs croak. I have a cough i'm gonna put the frog in my mouth which is the scene that they did and the the thought being that the frog did, did you think for a the,
0: second that the, the mother the, the old woman was going to be like okay And she's like like nudging the girl i was like is she gonna swallow, swallow that frog? yeah
1: i was so worried <laughs> i was so worried and i just like the thought of it it's a little feet touching my tongue but that's a side side thing but um yeah you're right and
0: we all know that's more for like a cold anyway not just a cough we know <laughs> that uh you know, and and, he, and sometimes I, he just you rub, just for fun.
1: Yeah. I thought you rubbed the frog
0: on you. So I hit it backwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes I just want a good frog in my mouth for no apparent reason. Uh, yeah. Um, no. So like the whole thing is like, like, how we can never accept the idea that that this is how this is going. And so he, you know, but he also doesn't appreciate that he's been kind of getting like told over and over again that either this girl's alive she's not alive oh of course uh, she is yeah.
1: it was frustrating it was
0: frustrating yeah and there's a bit where he exhumes the grave and there's a rabbit in there sorry hair a hair but then he goes back to lord summer isle and just whips it at him which is a yeah. great scene but it's summer isle and miss rose which i know it didn't it didn't skip by you that most of the people in this were named after flowers or yes. plants Yeah. um and how they're just like oh oh, well, she did love the rabbits didn't she it was yeah. like they just keep like messing with him and they kind of, so he starts getting this idea and then they're, they're like, well, you should be on your way. You don't want to be here tomorrow for our May Day celebration because of the rest of this offends you. Which he
1: was warned <laughs> multiple times. But he goes,
0: try to go back out to a seaplane. <laughs> and for some reason, magically it doesn't work. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: somebody sabotaged, <laughs> which during that scene, when he goes back to a seaplane to start it, yeah. we, we, I didn't get a chance to talk about how odd the music cues are mm-hmm. in this movie. It's, it's something that can't be transmitted over like this platform, it's just yeah. something you're gonna have to look at because they're just weird guitar riffs on top of.
0: There's that um, was it rigs of uh, rigs of barley. Yeah. Uh, so there, like there was there was a thing, like, and again, I can't pinpoint this exactly. I was talking to somebody else about this where you have to treat like late '60s, early '70s films in like the light of what they were doing in terms of advancing the art form forward. Yeah. That Rigs of Barley song showed up like numerous times in this film. And it fits in the sense that it's kind of folky, but it's also a weird song. Um, Have you seen? Corn Rigs and Barley. Yeah. Have you seen The Graduate? Yeah. How many times did the sound of silence play in that movie? Yeah, like eighty million times, right? But
1: like, there's a a contemporary soundtrack in a movie. Yeah, but but that was a big thing. Was that that didn't happen then? So
0: with this, it's not Simon Garfunkel, but you can see how that was like, oh no, no, we're going to keep putting this in to get a point across. Yeah, when I feel like an overstatement's welcome, but whatever. If that's the one negative I have that film, it's that's a small one.
1: I just feel like in modern context, that's probably what it is. It came off as like a, (laughs) like you know, someone's getting into trouble. Yeah. But so when he goes to start his monoplane and it's been sabotaged, this is what made me laugh. Is he like kind of looks back to the dock and. Over a stone wall are the twelve old men in masks.
0: But it was like even creepy because more and more masks kept showing up. Yeah,
1: but then they kind of like shuffled down just a little bit, like a like a bunch of kids getting caught. Yeah, yeah that was um, a little bit. Strange. But he's like, he,
0: but I wasn't expecting the animal masks in this film. Like yeah. I knew. I, just, is this I,
1: the first appearance of animal masks in a I, horror film?
0: I don't know, but that's you could see that's something now. Yes. You know, like, I mean, see look at the, the new time. Pet Cemetery trailer. It's yeah. like, oh, look at that. They must be, you know, relatives or whatever. Right. Uh, or look at any home invasion film. There's animal masks. They,
1: yeah, they love yeah. animal masks.
0: But it was creepy with this. And then the whole thing, he goes eventually, starts searching home to home, trying to find this girl. And there's the bit where the one guy's like, you want to look at here? Fine. He's like, And you see this big, like, fish outfit. Yes. And he's like, what is that? He's like, that's my costume for the celebration. Yeah. Huh. I'm the salmon of truth, or <laughs> whatever. The salmon of wisdom is what he says. Yes. I think, and that's why I couldn't help. But after watching the film, I just put it on Facebook. I was like, I now need to be referred to as the, the salmon, salmon of, of, wisdom. Of, of wisdom from now on. Uh,
1: that was another scene that was. Pretty cheeky because he was going door to door and like there were all these un- things unfolding. Yeah, and they were, were just screwing with him though. Right. Like the
0: one girl fell out of the, like, the, the out of dresser the, or whatever the dresser. it was, and then she just looked like she was dead, which really threw me off to begin with. And then she just smiles and Because for yeah. a second. Yeah. And then there's just like a naked lady in like a bath and she's like looking at him like this whole Right, it, You could have put the Biddy Hill music over top of yes, that. Yes, exactly. But it still was like because he was just so like, you know what? I'm not getting my answers. I'm going to turn everything yeah. over. Which and, is
1: you know as a detective this is this is it i ha- i can't leave i'm not coming back with other officers yeah. i have to get down to this you know but yeah, it did Sorry, give up. The off. Salmon
0: of Knowledge is actually what it's called. I wrote in my uh, notes. Salmon no of Wisdom. <laughs> Whatever.
1: It doesn't matter. It's still going to call you both of those <laughs> yeah.
0: things. Yeah. Uh, I, I, here, I'll just say this real quick. A friend of mine decided to start making up other titles there based upon fish for me. So I'll, I'll let you know what all those were oh, here. Oh, adorable. Yeah. It, so I, I posted this. And this guy's an ordained minister, by the way. He has a parish in Pittsburgh. So I just wanted to just point out that he called me, like <laughs> I said, I call myself Salmon of Knowledge. And he wrote, uh, Not the Tilapia of Thought or the White Fish of Wisdom. The albacore of acumen, and he goes on to the bass of brains, the wow. dolphin of discernment, the eel of enlightenment, the fluke of foresight, the guppy of gumption, the hush puppy of heuristics, and then he wrote and so on and so forth. <laughs> I wrote the cod of contemplation. That was my other like. That's so, pretty good one. He's really good at like I'm just like. like he, I don't know if he's seen The Wicker Man, but it's like that's so great. That it's the-
1: really <laughs> fitting. It's really fitting. He doesn't know yeah, how funny that is.
0: He's actually probably bigger games, Game of Thrones fans than like anybody I know. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just he, he's a cool dude. But I, I love that he chimed in with all these fish titles. But anyway, uh, so we get to like the whole like Denouement, right? The whole big thing of uh, you know uh, how he has been kind of like he ends up like infiltrating the celebration, beats up the one guy that was supposed to be wearing like this yeah, like, which, full outfit,
1: which I so. Before that, we get massive exposition.
0: Yeah, well, in he's the also library. supposed to go take a nap, right? Uh, yeah, we've got, oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So we get massive exposition when he's in the library and he's reading a book, and he and we learn about the fool, and we learn about the the man dressed as a woman, and all of that.
0: He's reading this out loud to the library uh, the library's right. looking I'm like, and? well, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so that that was. Funny in its own way. But yeah, so I wanted to talk about when he goes and takes a nap because this is my favorite part yes, of it. Yes,
0: I'm, I'm so like, so the whole thing is he's like, I've been like running myself ragged. <laughs> he's so tired. I'm going to lay down for a half right. hour. So then. He, he sleeps with the, he's starting to fall asleep with the door open, which that okay. If there's other thing else, it's like too. If you're going to take a nap, close the door,
1: especially with everyone in this yeah that place is being, being weird, upset, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, but then so you have the barkeep's daughter and him like talking about something in the the bar. So, yeah, keep, yeah. The
1: camera's fixed over his bed. Yes. We can see him laying in bed, eyes shut, and then down through the room and into the staircase leading up to the bedroom. Yeah. And this is where the Brady Bunch sneak up effect <laughs> takes place. Yeah, but I
0: mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good fake out because yeah. you hear. Them talking about something and, she, and he's like you think this is going to work she's like we don't know how long he'll sleep for but this is going to make him sleep yes and so then she talks about the hand of glory yes. like and then so they leave but the entire time like Howie's eyes are kind of open he's just trying to listen so yeah. he didn't
1: fall asleep it's kind of like that feeling when you were a little kid you would hear someone talking yeah and you're, and you're like oh you i'm gonna awake it. now gonna pretend like i'm asleep
0: but then here, you tell everybody like i mean if you have not seen the film Don't listen to this part because it's amazing. This is my
1: favorite part of the movie. But first I want to give a little bit of background. So the Hand of Glory is a real thing. Oh. So the Hand of Glory is a literal hand, usually the left hand cut off of a murderer. Okay. hanged. So they would take that hand, and this is from the third century. They would put that on a spike, and then they would use the victim's hair, tie it around the fingers, and light it. So it oh. made candles from the hand. Okay. So it's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Uh, and the idea was that it would put anyone to sleep that was around the hand while it was lit. Because the
0: hand, the smell of burning hair and skin is just a nice, like, <laughs> so, you know, like so mm. soothing.
1: So it's a really unsettling thought and yeah. image. Um, and I want to go in later a little bit about like the left hand versus right thing in play in this movie. Because okay, yeah. there's a lot of that. Well, in even hand.
0: after this happens, which just describe what, what happened there. So, yeah. So worry.
1: we have the hand that's a, a candle and she's walking up the stairs gingerly and I like to call it my Handelabra. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was
0: when you said that joke earlier, I'm like, we gotta say it during the show. My my
1: little handalabra. <laughs> so her intention is that it's gonna knock him out for a couple hours at least. That's what Which, she says to like, her dad. By
0: lighting it or just smacking him in the head <laughs> yeah, with it? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna well, hit him hard enough with so this Handelabra. He's she she sets
1: it by his bed and at this point as an audience we haven't seen it yet. So he's just got his eyes fake closed and as soon as she walks out the room he he flips over to the other side of the bed and we get that little bit of a jump care yeah there's just a, a creepy dead hand there with that's probably
0: the, the, the only smash cut in the film or right. something like that it is creepy and
1: he he smacks it and yeah. it, it lays down he yeah. doesn't pass out you know yeah. so it
0: didn't work he it does the opposite of making him sleep it right. keeps he's wide awake now he's super awake so now. when he's actually searching all the places didn't he find a body with a hand cut off he did, and okay. that's
1: why I wanted to make a correlation. I didn't know if that hand belonged to. That I don't know, person. but I didn't. I didn't
0: think about it. until You just described what the story is. Yeah,
1: he opened up a coffin because he was looking for Rowan when he was yeah. doing the town search. And there's,
0: search. A, there's a, a corpse missing a hand, so that might be what that's. So from. the
1: corpse was missing a hand. It was freshly. Yeah. You know, done. And he had the coins in the eyes, which is another pagan ritual about the ferry to cross the river Styx. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, so from the little bit of research I did, left hand and right hand maggot, maggot. <laughs> maggot I'm having. A mouth, uh, issue. <laughs> mouth issue. Magic. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just do some.
0: I want to rip a toe off and then uh, saute it. I don't know what to do. Like, so
1: left hand and right hand magic. There's a lot of symbolism in pagan and druid uh, artwork and history that left hand is the dark path and right is the well because even path. like
0: the Latin for left is sinister. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. so you see
1: that time and time again. Yeah. And I, I do think that the movie was trying to acknowledge that. Even if the people don't know, there's a a dark magic at play. Okay, Yeah.
0: yeah. So then, this the sends like you know into the, the like the tail end there where he ends up like dressing up as the fool, and they're like they're doing this whole big thing where all the people in animals animal suits and the salmon of knowledge is dancing along. And I like that uh, Chris Christopher parade. Lee. Yeah, yeah, he's he's dressed as um. Th- there's an image of a woman that's a man, and he's and that's Christopher Lee. and He's just like killing it, but he's like yelling at the fool because supposedly he he thinks it's the one guy, but we all know. But he's just like he's like you gotta you gotta dance, Come man. On, we've been praying <laughs> for this. Yeah. You gotta dance like you do in this parade. Yeah, in um, the whole part of this whole ritual is because the crop last year failed and that they're doing something bigger this year. Right. They and have to so, up the ante because
1: yeah. even though they've been doing all this for so long and it's been working for whatever reason, last year, it didn't work.
0: Which, again, I'd call back to Apostle about, like, you know, yeah. payments due right. and what works to a point, right? Yeah. so and you have to up the ante. Yeah. yeah. So then they get through all this, and eventually uh, he finds uh, – well, actually, before they get to her finding Rowan, there's a bit where all these, like, guys holding swords like do, like, this pentagram with the swords, mm-hmm. and they do this thing where – they hold the swords up. Someone stands in the circle and they bring the swords down to their neck and lift them back up again. Right. And it's like this game of basically like Russian roulette of like, right. when are they going to, and I think it deals with where the sun's in the sky or something. Yeah. Like, and, and so it's,
1: again, it's very tense. I was, yeah, I was not, in, I was impressed not only by that scene that kind of, it takes like a joking sense to this thing that could be really serious. Like quick decapitation really bums out, you know, a parade. <laughs> um, but the six swords harken back to a terror, terror card
0: okay Um, there's
1: a card that's the six swords and it's all about like correcting the future okay so of course again they're giving us these little things you know i think that's what i really enjoyed about this movie is that they weren't just throwing creepy things to be creepy they were they did their homework they did their homework and they had things grounded which i would be curious how they kind of because before internet or before any of these things they had to have you know, done a lot of research. They just had that
0: one weird friend. They that had that really, one weird, <laughs> I'm
1: really into witches. Yeah. So, but
0: then like, I, I really felt tense because like, it was implied of like, well, you know, like his, uh, Christopher Lee's character tells the fool. He's like, you know what this is? Like everybody goes through and the moment, like Howie, who's in the full costume gets in there and they bring the swords down. It's very tense, but then he gets away. And then yeah. like the person behind them is wearing an animal mask. Yeah. The moment, like the swords closed and cut the head off. I was like, they did that. Yep. Like, I honestly believed it. Shink. And it was a yeah. joke. It was like a prank yeah, or a ritual. I don't know.
1: Which I think that plays into the Joker and all these things. It's like they toe a line between life and death. That's kind of, they're always making light of it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a common theme.
0: So then you eventually get to the whole thing of where he finds Rowan and he, th- he thinks he's freeing her and this whole thing. It leads through a cave and all this stuff. But then you find out this has all been one big long setup well before how he got here where they stay. They actually researched him uh, because they needed someone, per, per their ritual, they needed someone that wore the crown, that was king for a day, yeah. that was a virgin, that came willingly this entire time. Perfect. Uh, this whole thing, right? And then, because like the, the crown part I didn't pick up on was that he represented the law, which was the royalty. Right. Like I didn't pick up on that until I read about it. I'm like, well, well I, I recognize like the world ro- because he was authority. That's how I read it, but it was like he's representing the crown.
1: Yeah, he came here you know, under the authority of the crown, which we said at the beginning of our and conversation. And he even kept saying that to a degree. Yeah, about like Yeah. yeah.
0: So the whole thing is like, he's been played this entire time. And then he finds out that, um, that it's not Rowan being sacrificed. That's supposed to be him. And so then he lashes out against Christopher Lee, Lord Summerisle's character saying, Hey, the crops failed. This climate isn't supposed to be meant to grow apples. He's like, and the next year when your crop fails, they're coming after you. Right. And he was yeah. like, Lord Summerisle's like, no, this is going to work. Right. And then you get the most like, one of the most haunting endings to a film, like which is just him uh you know how he just being dressed like in a like a long in a white garb. white garb cleaned cleaned because yeah. like basically what like the a replication of what Jesus did when he washed the feet of those around him like this whole kind of like you know parallel and then they carry him into this large wicker man with all his other animals yeah and then they start singing this song and, and they light it on fire and he starts like quoting scripture and calling out to God Ugh. and his and, but his faith you can tell that like he he's shattered, but he has nothing yeah. else to lean on except no, for his absolutely. faith. Well, what yeah. was
1: that line that um Summer Isle said to him about being a martyr?
0: Yeah, he's like, You get to like you know, you get to experience something not many people it's do like, anymore. Hey. You get to be a martyr. Basically he's saying, you know what? I respect your faith. <laughs> like right. it was, like this messed up thing of like and you, you can believe be that. Yeah. Now you get to be a martyr. That's it- ultimately what like people of his devotion want to be, you know? And Yeah, and then you get in this big wooden wicker man, they light it on fire, and as the sun's going down, he's crying out, and then the whole thing eventually burns and it collapses in like the setting sun while everybody's around singing... Some type another of another musical, s- another song, and
1: yeah. holding hands, yeah, in a circle around it. Him. Well, it
0: was frigidly cold outside, and you wouldn't, you couldn't tell,
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, Summer Isle says to him, It's time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man, which just sounds like, Boom, got yeah. him, that's yeah. the movie, got it. But describe the Wicker Man because I don't think just saying what it it's is, it's probably
0: is- like, was well, a good 30 foot tall, if right. not more. Yeah. Uh, it has these different compartments where they have livestock stuck in there, like goats and chickens. And he and they and there's a cage that they put uh Howie in, in the center in the of center, it. like the heart, basically, and there's a large head. Uh it looks like, you know, like we talk about Burning Man now about how much how much fun that'd be mm. just to go and be stupid. Mm-hmm. But you get the idea that this whole thing of like, you know, burning something in effigy, like this it's very imposing and ridiculous. Like it's it. By the time so the movie's called the Wicker Man, so you're like, where's the Wicker Man? Right. And then but you can even get the idea that Howie's the Wicker Man the entire time because his his character's built upon like false not false belief, but that's all he that's all he holds on to is his belief. So he's not a very strong man. Right. Yeah, he he puts everything else, you know, so you could almost say that he's the wicker man the entire time because he's hollow and is easy to burn at the end. Right. Because
1: you know? in the scope of this movie, he's actually not a very dynamic character. No. We only know the one thing about him is is that he's a faithful detective.
0: Yeah. And he's so resolute in that that when he's even faced with, like, there's the bit that, like, he does the thing that... <laughs> And this is me slamming people of faith. So, take you know, if you disagree with me, that that's fine. You guys can yell at me later, or put me in a large wicker thing and set me on right. fire. It's fine. Yeah, we're planning I, on it. I I am mostly fat, so I'll burn real bright. <laughs> like I'll burn a bright blue, it like a donut. Yeah, I'll smell good. I will smell better than a hand of glory. You know, uh, be like is that is that donut? Is that is that a deep oh, frying? Sleepy. Is that, is that batter? You know, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, do I have hints? <laughs> is that is that hints of walnut? I don't know. Um, but. Um, I feel like there's this thing where everybody like you have people that are either really strong in their faith and that they never budge, but, or there's people that say these things. And then the moment there's extreme hardship, they flounder. And, but the, but the, all they know is the thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a human thing, you yes, know? Yeah. Uh, and so with Howie, you could tell that like he's just hoping, just hope that something's going to happen, but the way he's crying out, you get the idea that he knows it's not going to happen, yeah. but he's also not going to let them win in the sense of like he's right. not going to he's not going to beg for mercy. Yeah. Not and so all. it's this weird weird moment, you know, yeah. and it's like you he he goes out believing what he's believing and so at at the end of the film the way it is is dark with the whole wicker man burning down and collapsing. Right. Um people that uh were that had a hand suggestions for distribution said, "Hey, how about it rain at the end and, and douse the flames and he lives." And the mm. filmmakers are like, no, yeah, <laughs> like, see, there, there could have been the potential for wider distribution of more money. And they yeah. said, no. Huh. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I think they that, left
1: it. the It was still standing.
0: I mean, it, like the head collapsed yeah. and the thing was kind of burning. It was burning up. Um, and, and you you don't even know, like the way this whole film plays out, you don't even know if a single thing that the people in Summer Al do have any power realistically whatsoever.
1: Right, We don't get to come back next summer.
0: Yeah, and see Laker like Man a bountiful, two. which I feel like if there had been a remake of this, you'd have like the next summer of like this bountiful harvest and be like, oh, they were right or they something like right, that. Yeah. yeah, and there'd be another officer being like, yeah, we're looking for a Sergeant Howie. They're like, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Yeah. Here, you could have no apples Yeah, right. whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I like that this film is horrific in the imagery and the weirdness of it, but you can either play it as like there is a power going on here or it is the power of belief. But then you have the whole thing breaking down of it's the power of two beliefs. You have Howie's yeah. staunch belief that this is the way the world is. And it has to be this way. And then you have some around his people where it's like, yeah, we don't believe that, but we, but we believe something different and we need you to believe what you believe for this to, to bring work. our beliefs true. Yes. supposedly yeah. like to give us the power. Yeah. Um, so you can either read it that there's something spooky going on, or you could just read it straight up as differing, uh, like outlooks on life. I, and didn't I think not read it that as I,
1: spooky as all. I'm reading it. Like you are yeah. where it just is. It's the people that are driving this. It's yeah. Not which makes
0: it way more horrific for me. Way
1: more horrific. Cause that it probably through history has happened many a time.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, people use faith to justify anything, yeah, you know? And that's so, yeah. Um, so what I've never, like I said, I've not seen this movie till now. I've uh, seen the remake, which, you know, but it is what it is. But there was a, uh, a TV special put out by Bravo called 100 scariest movie moments is put out around 2000 or so. This was number five on the, oh. like for their moments. So I had seen the ending of this movie before. Oh, okay. So it took a little bit of the power away from me, but, yeah. uh, but seeing that by itself without context was unnerving of yeah. him crying out to God as yeah. everybody singing and like the fire burning. Uh, so that's always been stuck on my head. And there's a couple other films from that, like top 100 that I'm like, I have to go watch them because of that. I went to go see it. Right. So you had no idea that's the way the film not was a clue. End.
1: I thought based off the title alone, that it was going to be a movie about a literal, like wicker man <laughs> running at people and like killing them. And, and then, then making furniture out of yeah, them. Literally. I thought that he was going to like tie them up into little wicker balls and like tie them into a tree or something. That's all like uh, I thought going into it.
0: So then since that's not what happened. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the film?
1: I thought that it accelerated really hard at the end to like a place I did not see it going because it kind of had a level of innocence to it in the way that like, oh, all that's bad here is what we're seeing through Howie's eyes and Mm -hmm. what he thinks is bad. And yeah, if you're conventional Catholic or Christian, it's going to it's it's bad. You know, there's weird things going on here. And then it's like throttle. We're going to murder him and all these animals and set him ablaze. <laughs> it's 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 pretty cruel. <laughs> um and that, that really did shock me. I'll say that I I enjoyed all the work that went into all the historically relevant pagan things mm-hmm. um but a lot of that 70s like those music cues and a l- some of the acting kind of took me out of it some
0: some of that hasn't aged very well but then some yeah. of it i feel like because it hasn't aged well has given it a stranger air as i it just wonder along. what it
1: would have been like watching it in theater at that time yeah because i bet it really you would have walked out imagine leaving on a friday night with a date after watching that bye yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, there ain't no comeback from there that. Is, yeah. no. It's, it's, it's super unsettling and it, it definitely harkens back to our conversation with Hereditary.
0: So, and, uh, yeah, I was going to say, now yeah. that we talked about this and we saw the trailer for Ari uh, Aster's uh, Summerland or whatever it's called, what's it called? Not Summerland. It's Midsummer. 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 Which you guys should watch that trailer. Um, and then after, you know, we've seen Hereditary, we've seen Apostle. Um, you know, like it, it's just, I, it, it's shame on me for not seeing this sooner but i almost feel like now even though i have other other more modern movies that maybe have done things better from a production standpoint because they're more modern to me right. maybe whatever that is what it is but uh, to see that these people loved this film and were affected by it and to go back and see this and see how powerful it still is. And that there's a lot to chew on. That's a hallmark of a good movie in the sense that even if some of the editing and music cues are a little weird and some of the acting is a little weird, there is so much here that can, that, that can, you can just hang on. And I almost went and bought like the region free Blu-ray of this as soon as the movie over. So I can get like the banging collection of right. it. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this movie, even knowing the end. Like I still, the journey's crazy and I just, I, and it makes me appreciate there's other people are picking up this baton and running with it and going, and they could even go darker now because yeah. like audience expectations are a little different. Tastes are a little different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, th- I think that you're right that there's going to be a renaissance of this kind of movie. I think people are looking f- to move away from saw and move away from, I mean, there will yeah, always no, be it, that audience. Like hostage. I think there's
0: enough, I think there's enough out there or hostile you're talking about or In a hostile. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's always gonna be like markets for that kind of stuff. Um, a 24 has been doing a lot of these yeah. like more, there's been a whole discussion about the term elevated hoarder horror, which yeah. I think is garbage. Yeah. It's like, is it horror tour? Horror. It doesn't matter the context.
1: I like um, to always say that if a movie can come out as a drama first mm-hmm. and then have these elements, then it's really done its job with me.
0: Okay. Like, yeah.
1: Uh, Jordan Peele doing us. He's, he's done a really great job of creating a story that has elements of terror. In it, and I think yeah. that this is one of the the earliest films I've seen of that. Where this is a great story. This guy gets put down through this maze. He leads himself through the maze, and then boom! At the end, we find out that it was all calculated, yeah. you know, by this group that forced him here. Um, and then it's these moments of terror that really make it that movie
0: yeah I, so i think it's one of those things that if you guys have not seen this which please if you've been listening to by now we ruined a lot of it so i apologize uh check it out i still think regardless of how much we talked about it, it's worth watching on its own and just experiencing it um if you've seen it then you could yell at me for not watching it sooner I, it's a shame on me but i'm glad that when i asked you to come on the show and you mentioned hereditary and the witch um that this is the thing I kind of like landed upon because I wanted something for you and I to talk about that we have not seen. Right, um, and it's easier sometimes to slot something for a podcast because you're like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast anyway. Let me just, you know, what? I'm going to watch that now because I don't know when I would have gotten to it. Right. And so, I'm oh, glad I that totally we, had, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that we had this discussion. I'm glad that uh, we decided to, to land on this because it was this was it was worth it. And it's, uh, it's a very good film. Like again, like all little slight weird stuff aside, I still think it colors the film in a way that's wonderful.
1: Yeah. I think that you're right. And I think that I had to stop taking production value out on movies that have, you know, I have no right in doing that. It was the best that was available at the time. Um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely happy to watch it and it's, it's, bothered me for a couple of days (laughs) and i i think that if it sticks in your head for a couple days that makes for a good movie
0: yeah absolutely so did you have any other thoughts about the wicker man before we move on
1: uh no just um i did see a couple of things here and there the one that just kind of made me chuckle was uh woodward the guy that played howie he was peed on uh, by the animals inside of the wicker man. So, oh yeah, that's, it's, yeah.
0: yeah, that's true. He was, he, yeah, one of the, one of the goats or something got t- terrified. Right. And, uh, Cause they were ab- above
1: yeah. him. Yeah. And they beat
0: yeah. him. Uh, yeah. So that, that is also, you know, I feel like that's appropriate to him. So he kind of, <laughs> he got, he got pissed on, on the way out. So, yeah. Um, all right yeah that's going to do it for our discussion about the wicker man Uh, before we move on to the game which uh, I think Taylor will greatly appreciate after this conversation we just had uh, let me tell you people about how you can find me I'm we're invasion podcast we're on Facebook Uh, we're on invasion where I've been writing our blogs about the year of Canon I recently just watched a film called hard rock zombies that was utter shit so you can read my thoughts about that spoiler I normally try to give these films a little bit more room to breathe I just couldn't do it I checked out I've watched the same day as the wicker man though Mm. so you you're like... Hi, hello, yes. Yes. and so um, I put some videos up there of other other movies that made me happier. So you guys can check out that blog. Uh, you can find us on um, iTunes, or, sorry Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, uh, Google Music, wherever you get your your podcast. Rate it and review us. Uh, you can find Steve, um, the, though he's not here, he's with us in spirit. He's going to be at Retro Invasion Weekend, uh, which is happening this weekend in Westlake, Ohio, um, from uh, actually from tomorrow, May thirtieth through June second. Uh, he's going to be there with his partner in crime. Ryan Sandy promoting their book, the science slasher. They also have another book they just put out um, that I'm going to look up right now and I should have wrote it down in my notes and I did not. So it is called, I want to say just after sunset, but that I think that's also the name of a Stephen King book, another Stephen King book, not the Stephen King. Um, all right. Where's it at? Uh, anyway, he has another book that's coming that you guys can go pick up. It's a it's a bunch of short stories, I believe, uh, and it's going to be cool. And you guys need to go support him and buy his comic and buy his uh, stuff. Beyond Sunset, that's the name of his book. Because Just After Sunset is a uh, a series of short stories by the author Stephen King. Uh, okay. now, this is called Beyond Sunset, by my friend Steve King and his partner Ryan Cassandy.
1: I can see how that messes with um, you a little bit. Yeah,
0: so <laughs> go go pick that up. At Retro Invasion Week, and I'll be there as well. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there. With some other other people. It'll be a lot of fun. So go check that out. So uh, Taylor, I made this joke before. Do you have anything that you're promoting? Any like, uh,
1: you know, I, a- I don't have any digital things that I'm promoting. But if you run into me, feel free to <laughs> promote me by buying me a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Love burritos.
0: Yeah, he's like, you know, you want to support me creatively you in just su- my day to day life. You want to support
1: me. Just on, you know, my route to Starbucks. <laughs> that would be great.
0: It's like he's like he's like I maybe maybe I'll play you a song about rigs of barley or right. something. There yeah. you go. No thanks. No,
1: <laughs> that was not my favorite soundtrack. No,
0: it was not. No, um, no, not at all. So, all right. Now that uh, we've talked about the Wicker Man and religious things, I think it's time to get in uh, to our game.
2: It's time to play the game. Time to play the game.
0: All right, so this is something I've done um, the past couple years, just during the summer. I think it's been fun to do, and I'm going to spring this on Taylor. Uh, it is getting close to vacation Bible school time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done the vacation Bible schools growing up.
1: Oh, I had friends that did it. But, but then, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, though, yeah. where it's like
0: the one little week, you go every night. I and saw go. a
1: documentary about that once. The Jesus Camp? Jesus Camp. Yeah, Terrifying. Uh, terrifying. Yes. Yeah,
0: so uh, so I decided, here's a game, It's uh, I'm going to give you, there, there's going to be 10 questions here. Uh, you're going to tell me which one is the real uh, vacation Bible school theme, or which one's the fake one? So I'm going to give you two, and you're going to tell me which one, which one's which, right? Okay. So All right. Uh, the Good News Train or the One Way Express? <laughs> the Good News Train. That is the right one. <laughs> that's yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real one. Um, all right. What else we got here? Uh, <laughs> um, fixer Upper. Wait till you see what God can do. Or flip this house. Jesus is always a buyer's market.
1: I want it to be flip this house. <laughs>
0: it's not. That's it's the not. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to be, though. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, it's a Jesus market. It's a Jesus market. You know, he's always, always buying. Uh, all right. Shipwrecked, rescued by Jesus, or castaway bay. Jesus is your homeboy.
1: It's. It can't be homeboy. <laughs> it's gotta be the former. Yeah. Shipwreck. Yeah,
0: shipwrecked is the okay. real one. I thought the phrase castaway bay would tip you off because that's the name of the water area <laughs> in Cedar Point.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was okay. the homeboy. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, you know, if you're trying to relate to the kids.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So <clears throat> farm fresh faith or from cross to table.
1: <laughs> farm fresh faith. Is that the real one? That's the real You're one. You're right. That nice. yeah, was maybe. Some so, of, there's some, a lot of alliteration, so I just wanted to make sure I got that all out. Yeah, up. yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Um, yeehaw, <laughs> celebrating God's greatest gift, or Saddle Ridge Ranch, rounding up questions, driving home answers.
1: Rounding up questions.
0: Okay. Well, they're that's, both real. Uh, <laughs> what was the first one? Yeehaw, celebrating God's greatest gift. Yeah. That's so stupid. Um, all right. Uh, whoosh. Take flight to where God leads you, or fly over country, finding Jesus in the heartland.
1: And and when you say these, I just I see it on a pamphlet, you know, with like a dove. I see sunset. I see these
0: on like a marquee outside the church, and then they have the one big standee to advertise. It's VBS time. Yeah, woohoo! That yeah.
1: one, that's yeah. real. That whoosh one. Yeah, yeah, whoosh. you're right. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just wanted to get something in there about fly over country, about how Jesus is in the heartland <laughs> and nowhere else. All right. Um, what else we got here? <clears throat> <laughs> Gospeltopia, or Gospel Park, five thousand years in the making.
1: Oh, it's five thousand years in the making.
0: Is it the real one? That's the
1: real one. No, it's a fake one. Uh. <laughs> Why? Because it was seven thousand years. No, in the no, no, no.
0: The creationists believe the Earth's only five thousand years oh, old. I so I decided to th- I wanted to throw that out there. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, Gospeltopia is the real one. I'm sure, that, I'm sure it's based on like Zootopia. Where yeah. They, yeah, yeah.
1: They're just really trying to hook in <laughs> young audiences. Yeah.
0: All right. Um,
1: Finding. I don't
0: know. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, Faith Force, Heroes of Godly Living, or The Marvel of God Presents, JCU, The Jesus Connected Universe.
1: That's amazing because someone just watched Avengers. I'm going to say the connected universe.
0: That's the one I made up. (laughs) Uh,
1: You should start writing Christian Uh, camp pamphlets. Yeah.
0: The problem is I I don't want to misconstrue. I don't want to make money off of people's misguided stuff. Like I've always made the joke about how if I didn't have a soul, I would, uh, and I mean, soul in the sense of like a sense of morality, mm-hmm. I would write all those faith-based films that are just garbage films that everybody's like, oh, but it's well-meaning. Like
1: You would write Nicholas Sparks novels.
0: No, not, well, I would write, there's a Kirk Cameron film called Fireproof that I don't mm-hmm. re- recommend anybody watching where he plays a firefighter that's having marital troubles because he can't stop watching porn when he goes to look at yachts on, online. Oh. It's terrible. There's a bit in the film where... He finally, you know, realizes that he needs Jesus and his wife and all this, and he goes to go online and starts looking at yachts again. And all of a sudden, a pop up shows up of porn, and it's like, why would why would a porn pop up show when you're looking at boats? But right. Whatever. What kind of boat site are you going to, Kirk Cameron? Mm. But then he actually takes his computer outside and beats it with a baseball bat, like he be- defeated the internet. It's so stupid. And then he also kisses his wife in the film, but then you find out that in real life, even him kissing an actress would consider he feels that's cheating. So they actually brought his real wife in and put a wig on her and shot her in the dark. Stop. It's it's 100% true. Like, this is the shit I feel like I could write and make money. How do you
1: act? How do you act, have a career? I guess you don't. <laughs> well, you get, you get
0: your residuals from uh, Growing Pains, which he was in, playing the bad boy, you yeah. know, Mike Seaver. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you're like, you should write this stuff. Like, it's too easy to it's do it. It's too easy. Yeah, so, all right, we got a couple more here. Um, what else do we do here? To do the GCU. Um. All right, I think we have one more left here. Yeah, it is uh, STU Super Training University with Jesus or CrossFit Nailing It.
1: There's no way that they would say Nailing It, so I'm going (laughs) to go with the former.
0: Okay, is that your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. You're right. I made up the CrossFit one. (laughs) Nailing It. (laughs) Nailing
1: It. That seems a little bit rude. There,
0: there was, what was it, two years ago? It was it was something like Sunrise Camp or whatever. And then I wrote, uh, the one I made up was called Camp Three Nails.
1: <laughs> wow. Like,
0: and I'm so proud of myself with that. But everyone's like, you crossed the line. I'm like, so? Like, it doesn't. Oh, I have one more. I'm sorry. You one crossed
1: more. the yeah, line. I crossed the
0: line. There was actually one. And I didn't, I, there was ones I couldn't come up with, like one to go with. One of them was called The Crossroads. I'm like, I really? And then. It's like that's it. Was it like
1: an like 01 after the the Britney Spears? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was actually it was a Britney Spears theme vacation mm-hmm. Bible school. Yeah. You just shave your head halfway through the week and then you <laughs> redeem yourself. Uh uh <laughs> I'm not that innocent. But then there was another one that was like, What was it? Um, learning about your neighbors, like l- like something about like you know, learning about like the other countries. And I'm like, Really? That's that's the message is like learn that like Jesus loves always neighbors. It's like that doesn't seem to be the political climate going on right now, but yeah. whatever. And then there was like the incredible race, and I was gonna make something horrible racist there and i did not do that uh because i couldn't find good wordplay not because i don't want to make the joke
1: (laughs) the joke was there the joke was there the wordplay not yet
0: all right here's the last one okay power up raise your game or jesus is the ultimate one up power up that's the real one yeah i'm
1: pretty good at this
0: well i think also my jokes are pretty predictable but whatever um was I reading these by my wife last night? And she picked every one of them right. I'm like, okay, oh, fine. Okay. Well, then maybe I'm
1: yeah. thinking.
0: But I was like, Taylor doesn't know this game. So.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> so, didn't know this game. Yeah.
0: So, all right, this, this will this will do it for our vacation Bible school game this year. I'm sure I'll come back with some horrible things next year. Uh, but I'm glad that you. I had hope I'm some- there for it. <laughs>
1: Not the Bible camp, but for this. The Bible
0: camp, yeah. We're, we're going to go to vacation Bible school after this, and then we're going to go join the JCU, what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be, wouldn't it be horrible if they did like a series of faith-based films where they're like, Paul, and like, you know, uh, you know, but like all the apostles. David. And then like, but they'll do the Judas one where it's like, well, it was the origin story of a villain, you know? Yes. like, Yeah. And it's all culminate, whatever. Anyway. So, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Next week, Steve will be back from assignment. We'll talk about Retro Invasion Weekend. I have no idea what our topic is next week. I'm sure we'll let you guys know, usually we have this planned out in advance. But anyway, Taylor, thank you for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun and a wonderful conversation about um, a weird culty movie with a lot of naked dancing going on in it.
1: There was excess naked dancing. But yes, thank you very much for having me. And um, I'd be happy to come back if we have another movie we find.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, talk to you guys next week. Uh, Have a safe week, and I mean, if you got to dance naked, just make sure that you're tormenting your Catholic neighbors
1: or jumping over a fire.